Drum roll! Guys, we are finally in season two! We're so excited to have you guys here again and we have so many surprises for you in this season and we hope you enjoy them. Let's get into the episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Culture and Handed podcast. This is season two. Homecoming by Ya, I think it's Ya Yashi, and we're starting this book with her book. If I mispronounce your name, I'm very sorry. Um, we're starting this season with her book, and we're very excited because the book has been amazing so far. We are trying to find a name for our subscribers and our listeners. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for getting us to over 100 plays. As of today, we were about 112 plays. I'm excited and I'm looking wow. forward to more episodes in this season. Welcome to the week recap. In the week recap, everyone introduces will introduce themselves yes, and tell them a little bit, they'll tell you a little bit about themselves and also a bit of how their week went. Hi, my name is Dumebi and I love to travel and I write about travel in my blog foreveronashamed.com. And this past week for me was very stressful. Um, it was overwhelming. I was still able to read the book. Thank God. I did both audio and reading for the book. Um, my mom and I were talking, okay, we're talking today about the Mediterranean diet. So I'm thinking of being on the Mediterranean diet as well. Okay. And well you eat. It's a healthier way of eating. You have, instead of normal oils, you use olive oil. You eat fresh food. You don't eat from cans and processed foods. No, you eat like quinoa. <laughs> you eat beans, lentils. You eat, you can have quicker oats. You know, you eat like just whole foods, real whole foods. Sorry, the only quicker thing that I see myself eating, like among the things you said, is quinoa and quicker oats. Yeah, that. and then you eat potatoes. She said potatoes, and I'm also I'm going to do more research onto the all the things you can eat. But that's the type of just the way people in Dubai and people in like um should I say Saudi Arabia and even Egypt, I feel like they eat the Mediterranean diet. Correct me if I'm wrong, um, but mostly the Middle East that would I have the Mediterranean diet. How um, kind of things can you make red. with potatoes? Are, I don't know, there are different things you can make. You can boil it, you can fry it, you can make potato porridge. I don't like potato porridge. I was saying it, it's based mainly on vegetables, fruits, herbs. Yeah. You eat mostly like healthy yeah. stuff. You don't eat red meat. You can eat um, chicken, you can eat fish and stuff like that. So yeah, that's a healthier way of eating. So I'm just going to do more research on it. I need to do more research on it. But I know that like, that's the way they eat in the Middle East. And they, they have a lot of food to eat. <laughs> so I'll find out more meals to make. And just eat it in moderation. So that's enough about me this week. Who wants to go next? 
Me. Okay. Uh, okay, so what I was supposed to say, yeah, me. Uh, my name is Comfort. And what's the supposed to say stuff about us? Sorry. Um, I like to write uh, short stories uh, on my blog. I don't think I've said that. That's been implied, but I've not said that outright. So, yeah, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, my week was um, kind of. Hello. Yes. Who's that? Hey, Sydney. Welcome. Hi, Sydney. Hey, guys. Hi, Sydney. What's up? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Sorry for coming late. It's okay. Welcome. Yeah. So my week was fun. I had two job interviews this week. Um, I watched season 16 of Grey's Anatomy this week. Not all the episodes. I started from like episode 8. And um, what else? Yeah, I started watching Chinese historical dramas again. I'm watching this one that is really funny. Um, romance of the tiger and the rose. Ooh. <laughs> 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 okay. My mom said that boy is the extra voice in between that she's not yeah. sure how she feels about that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Who's next? Victor. Okay, I don't. Okay. Victor, go okay. for it. Hi, guys. Victor Bauer. Basically, I'm an engineer and a writer. Mm. Oh, my week was alright. I found out that I need to go to school urgently because <laughs> what I learned was getting out of my brain. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I started reading again in preparation yeah. for exam. The highlight of my week was yesterday evening. I decided to go for a walk, my daily walk. But this time around, I did like times four or times three of my usual walk. I went for 21 kilometers. Oh. Yeah, I walked for about five hours. No. (laughs) And I didn't know what was wrong with me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you had to walk back. Do you walk only five hours? (laughs) (laughs) How was your journey back home? <laughs> yeah. I, had to, I, had, I had to sit down on the road at a point in time and I held the car, but I was like, I can't walk back home. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I was, I was in pain. <laughs> my entire body ached. I could not walk properly today, but it was all good. It's all good. Thank God. Oh. That's all. <laughs> Sydney, you're next. Okay, what have I done this week? Uh, I've not done much this week. Okay, I've done some reading, except for the book I read. Uh, I've also done some light reading on other topics, other stuff, some stuff on history and Greek mythology and stuff. And, uh, I like I've Greek mythology. Well, I, like well, I like it too, yeah. So fascinating for me. I like history in general. Anything that got to do with history, I'm interested So. And uh, what again? Uh, I've watched I watched a couple of movies and uh, some series. Yeah, that's basically. Tell people a little bit about yourself. About myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. What to say about myself? Okay. Uh, my name is Sydney. My name is Sydney. I like all things to do with football. 
my favorite team is Manchester United. And, uh, <laughs> it was funny. And, yeah, I like I like to watch. Private. I like to watch. I like to watch movies. I like to watch series. I like reading. So that's basically. Thank you all for sharing about your week. So now we're going to go straight into the book. How do you guys feel about the book? I really love this book. It's like a collection of stories that spanned over generations. The first story was about Effa. First and second one really talk, and the last mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. same. So the first one was yeah, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. She was very beautiful. And her father had plans to marry her to the village chief. I never figured out at the end whether the mother loved her or hated her. Her mom didn't love her. That was not she her mother. She told her about her real I know, mother. I know. Eventually, we found out that she wasn't her mother, right? Because she used to beat her every day. And, yeah. You know, there was just, there were so many things going on. But it kind of made sense when they said the mother did not have milk. Obviously, she wasn't the mother. But it made mm-hmm. it seem, like, when it made the whole thing seem, like she was bad woman the day she was yeah. born you know they said the father had a premonition then the day she yeah. was born there was fire and then her mother's breast couldn't produce milk you know they just made it seem like this whole spiritual supernatural stuff yeah meanwhile she couldn't produce milk because she wasn't the mother she, had, she was not the one that gave birth to girl and the mother hated her but i didn't like the chief yeah. they, didn't, they didn't really you know say so much about him just that yeah. they had they had an unwritten agreement that they should get married mm-hmm. but he kept waiting for her to become a woman and since her blood was not showing she was not a woman so he married two other wives I was still waiting yeah. for her to be the third wife. And then the mother kept telling her, um, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Do you get it? So I was wondering why she wanted her to marry the chief. Mm-hmm. Why she wanted to give the daughter out to, you know, the white, white guy to marry. Do you get it? Was it for the money? Or was it because she didn't want the girl anywhere near her? Yes. That was what I was thinking, so. Yes. And anyway, Sha. So Shisha did everything. She got married to the white guy. And then they kept telling us about how they all had wives. All these white guys, they had wives. But then they called the um, black women that they married went to. And then they were in this mm. castle. The guy that married her was named Ames. After he married her, he was nice to her, you know, all that. But there was one time that I felt that the guy had the potential to be a mean person. And he used to feel guilty every time his wife sent him a letter. Whether his guilt was because he was married, like he had another wife. Or the fact that the wife was black. I don't know. There was just this whole shame thing that was revolving around it and the way they portrayed it. Yeah. Eventually, she married the guy and then the mom kept telling her that she was cursed, that she would never give birth. And when she now gave birth, she actually believed it. When she gave birth, she gave birth to the son. And then when her father died, she came back to the village because her father was kind of like the only person she loved. And her younger brother. That's when the mother now told her that she actually is not the daughter and oh. gave her the stone. Yeah, that stone was special. Yeah. Yeah, very rest the pre shining stone. <laughs> the, she, yeah, she gave her the stone and then told her that it was the only thing that her mother left. I think that was kind of like the end of FIA's story. They mentioned that in other distance, but like that was the end. And then they now talked about her sister. Her mother was one that set the fire, and then after she set the fire, she ran away and then got married to one other guy that was a big man of Asante Kingdom. Yeah. Asante yeah. Kingdom was really against selling slaves to the white people, right? But they were not against having slaves. Like they used to, you know, go and. Yeah, boy, 
I think I we're more against... the major people involved in slavery. Yeah, we're more against their own people being enslaved. Being slaves. Yeah. Because no, but they, they, they didn't... They don't... They didn't like white people at all. So they didn't sell yeah, yeah, yeah. slaves yeah, to that's... white guys. They just wanted to have slaves and be, you know, the conquerors, be the heads. So for years, they fought, you know, against them until they couldn't yeah. fight okay. any longer. But... They were not against having slaves. It was, you know, they felt like it was their right. Everybody just felt it was normal. But they were against selling slaves to white people. And then the person she got married to was a big man. He was the warrior of the village. He was kind of like the next head, you know, in terms of authority. Yeah. Yeah. The story talked about how, you know, she was the princess. Because she too, she was beautiful. I think everything that woman does is better. in lineage, they all they always talk about how beautiful the women were. So that one, on the other hand, she was the beloved child of a big man, and I think she was fourteen when they attacked the village, and then she was captured to be a slave. And the mother, like she and the mother were supposed to run, but the mother was like she can't run again, that she's not running again. That's when the mother now gave her the stone and told her that she had another sister and that she left the sister in Fante village and then told her to go and then that's how some Fante slave traders now captured her and sold the Asante people to white guys and then the Asante people were so upset because Fante and Asante they were supposed to be friends yeah that part was where the Guyana said that today the white people feel small so we are their friends and I'm like, oh my god, this guy is cold-blooded. Wow. That they have chief. That was like, today they pay us more, so they are friends. So he wow. sold the, this infantry people. And then, so she was underground. So while, I don't know if it was at the same time, but while she was underground, her sister was above ground, and they never knew each other. Mm. I just kept thinking, if they're in the same timeline, imagine if, like, they're in the same place, but they never knew three years. And I was just... Yeah, I knew. She talked about how one time where one of the soldiers came and then carried and raped her. And after raping her, he was so ashamed. Sorry, are you not the one that went to gun? I don't know. I I couldn't understand the shame. Why he was... I I just... I was so upset. And I was wondering why was he so ashamed when he was the one that took something from her. And she was wondering... Mm -hmm. I think I wrote that part down. I was like, is it that he did not think that she was a human being and she like he just, you know, had a sexual relationship with an animal or something like weird. I don't know. That's I wrote down. I was just like, what's wrong yeah. with this? I think he was drunk also. He was not drunk. He wasn't drunk. I think he was drunk. I don't think so. I think he just Are looked at sure? her like that body and just left with her. Because around that yeah. part. I think there was, he came in a group, it wasn't just him, there were a couple of guys who came and there was something about how they were moving or how their movements or something like that. No. That suggested that they might not have been, or am I, am I getting came alone. Can I mix yeah. it up? Yeah, came alone. Okay, uh, okay. Okay, yeah, that's the page from page 52. 52. Um, okay, page 52. Yeah, okay, yeah, from said, page 52. A couple of soldiers walked in. Mm-hmm. Something was wrong with these soldiers. There was less yes. order in their movement, less structure. Oh, yeah, that's right. We had seen men drunk from Pawan before. Their faces flashed and their faces grew wilder. So the soldiers stood around and the women in the dungeon began to murmur. One of them grabbed a woman on the far end and pushed her against the wall. Yes, yeah, so I think that is why I thought they were drunk because mm-hmm. of how it was described. Hmm. Okay.
the other soldier was still walking around, looking at each woman carefully. When he came upon Essie, he smiled, and for one quick second, she confused that act as one of kindness, for it had been so long since she had seen someone smile. Hmm. And uh, yeah, the, after the guy now ripped out, when he was finished, he looked horrified, disgusted with her, as though he were the one who had had something taken from him, as though he were the one who had been violated. Oh, Suddenly, Essie knew that the soldier had done something that even the other soldiers would find fault. It looked like her body was his shame. Wow. I was feeling so many things at that point in time. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, there was that. Uh, I think that was kind of like the end of the story. And then they moved on to her son. Yeah. Not um, Essie's yeah. son. That's the son. son. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was um, Effia's son. And he was half black, half white, obviously. But I feel like he struggled with the identity crisis yeah. and he had to pick his side. He ended up picking his mom's side. They sent him abroad to London because he made a friend. They were looking for how he could make a friend because it was only him and his mom that had relations and stuff. And they ended up introducing him to James' friend's son, Kujo. And Kujo became his friend. They started like going out together. He went to visit his friend in his village and everything. And Kujo grew up to be like a wrestler and strong. And um, I think they mentioned this in former stories. One day he was wrestling with Ki just for fun. And that was when his father was upset and sent him to London. So he came back, I think, after 14 years. And he was meant to take over his, like, after his father. They put him in charge of his sector. They put his office, like, close to his mom's village, even though his mom did not want him to go back to the village. And he was also in charge of, like, slave trade. Kujo sent me a message that he should meet him. He didn't meet, he didn't meet Kujo after he came back. But then his uncle, he went back to his uncle and his uncle kind of like took him under his feet and always used to like give him advice. He saw firsthand the trade that was going on. What else will we say about him? I yeah, like I like, I like the story not... when they were racing the snail. They had two snails and then yeah. they were racing it. And his own snail was fast and reached the end. And they called that snail, snail Richard. And the other snail, some <laughs> other African name. And they are now like, oh, wait. So Richard was the slow one or the fast one. They said the British is bad. So Richard yeah, was, was the slow one. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anytime they go into trouble, they always said that um, Richard, Richard made them just... <laughs> it was Richard's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think eventually... They began to associate everything with Richard, whether good or bad. Good or bad, yeah, with Richard. So Richard was, it was always Richard's fault. It was a basic story. Did they say when he got married here? Okay, so he had to, they they captured, when Kujo and his his uncle went out, they captured the daughter of the queen, sorry, daughter of the king of Asante. Princess of Asante. Of Asante. And he married her for protection. His, his uncle advised him that he should marry her for protection so they can even take him seriously too and he can have influence in um, Ghana. So he married her and it was not a marriage of love, which they mentioned later, but it was a marriage of politics. Ness was the next Ness. story. Yeah. Ness is the daughter of Essie. Ness is the one that yeah. has scars. She got yeah. married. Yeah. 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 She got part. married to... Um, this guy, one guy like this. Sam. Yes. Sam, yes. Sam the Yoruba. 
<laughs> yes, I was Yoruba. And um oh, I didn't notice that. That's yeah, nice. Sam was Yoruba. You know, they first talked about her scars. They, they didn't talk about her original story. They talked about after they moved her. So she already had the scars mm-hmm. then. So she was a beautiful woman. So they wanted to first, you know, put her in the, um, the house, house until they saw mm-hmm. the scars. And when they saw the scars, apparently the master and the wife's the master's wife fainted. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's flogging the slaves outside, but when she comes inside and she sees it, she will faint and have bad So the child made her walk in the fields because of her scars, right? And they now talked about um, how she met this girl, Tim's daughter, that could not speak. And they tried tricking her to speak, but I don't even know whether she had hiccups or they gave her hiccups so that she could, so they could trick her to speak. So every time she had hiccups, they would you know, make it seem as if you know, she was going to die. Yeah, it's a life-threatening thing. Yes, yeah. yes. So eventually, she just spoke up and told them that they should leave her alone. So that one yeah. started following her. Pinky, yeah. Pinky, yeah, Pinky started following her. And eventually, Pinky spoke, you know. I think that was after the flood or something. Or when she had nightmare. She used to have no, after... That was after she, she stood up for Pinky. When yeah. the master's son about to yeah, and the master's son tried to beat her. And the guy was, as in, yeah. he, the guy was like, the son was like that. If I, I'm her master, so if I want her to speak, she must speak. Mm, Is there somebody that exactly. loves yeah. because <laughs> 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 it was very unreasonable. And it wasn't funny when I was reading it. Yeah, well, that's a bribe. So before we start, I found that the pronunciation is Kwe. So sorry for saying Ki all the time. So it's Kwe. <laughs> Sorry to I've cracked jokes since you don't laugh like that, but one mistake you laugh as if I've cracked up this serious. <laughs> no, Cindy can say that. Wait, wait, and then you're like, No, I've heard the name before. Key. Apparently, key is the Q U A Y. Apparently, that's the key, not the Q U E Y. But I'm glad that it's making you laugh. Have fun. But go into your discussion. You were telling Ness's story. <laughs> yeah, so back to Ness. And okay, so um, after the master flood path, right? Um, I think that's when they started telling the story before she got there. Where um, she got after she got married to Sam, like the master actually gave her to Sam, but then Sam was not interested. He was angry. He was, you know, he was resistant, and he was a big man. And eventually, he like they became close. You know, they became husband and wife, actual husband and wife. After um, there was a time when. Sam did something wrong, and then the master wanted, like, and then the master came with the beef, and she was like, I did it, it's my fault. And the master flogged that in place of Sam, you know, and she came unconscious. That's when the two of them, you know, maybe that's when they fell in love, but that's when they decided to take their marriage seriously or whatever. Anyway, so after they had a child, she met somebody, um, I think Aku. And so that's when she had, she decided that the child was going to be born free. 
like they're going to make sure that their child leaves free. So when she um uh so she started plotting with Akko because that one too was from Asante. Started plotting with that one for them to escape. The day they were supposed to escape, the master shall cut them. And then so she told that woman that the woman should take the child and she should not like speak and that they will go back together. So her and her husband they went back to receive punishment. So the master flogged the husband and killed him and let her watch. Mm. For you know, giving her own punishment and selling her off. She's called this hell. Anyway, sure. So that was like the end of the story of Nessie's story. Yeah, there was something I, I forgot mm. to mention. The other stone. Yeah, I kept tracking the stone. The stone that was given to Essie got lost in the dungeon. Yeah, she left in the dungeon. Yeah, so she left in the dungeon. She buried it, so she was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, she didn't put it up. So after Nessie's story, then they talk James' story. Yeah, James comes in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does anybody want to say so, James? Okay, so let me say James. So James okay. was uh, the son of uh, Kwe, and Kwe was obviously uh, the son of Ephia and Ephia and James, the white man, who was the, the I think he was one of the top people in the castle. So obviously they lived a very comfortable life. At that time, at the time James' story comes in. Uh, he's he's now stationed firmly in in the village because his dad is now in the village with his mom, who is the the Asante princess who was stolen away. And you could obviously see that their love or their marriage life wasn't fit. Like it was a loveless marriage, obviously because number one, his mother was stolen from her home, so obviously there won't be much loving in the marriage. And his mother didn't respect what his father was doing because his father was a slaver. And she was a very proud Asante woman. If, and the Asante people are very proud, even up to today, they are very proud in their culture, they are very proud in their tradition, they are very proud in their history. So she wasn't going to accept him for what he was doing. So there was always this uh, quiet impasse in their, in their house. But that's the circumstances in which James grew. Sorry, Sydney, I think there's like background noise around you. Oh, sorry. Is, is it still here? Okay, it's better. Can you still? Oh, there's okay, like somebody shouting. Sorry. Let me read okay. Okay, it's okay now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's the circumstances in which uh, James grew. And per the story around the time of when he grew up, or almost uh, when about the time when he was getting ready to be married, I think around his 17th or his 18th birthday, his grandfather died. His grandfather, who is the Asante king, died. So the whole family had to go for the funeral in Akumase, which is the capital of the Asante kingdom. So when he was there, he met uh, this young lady who he found very attractive 
and the woman also took a liking, no, no woman, because she was still a girl, I think like 15 by that time. She also took a liking to him. And he wanted to be with her because he saw how bold she was. She saw, he saw how single-minded she was. She made a statement about not wanting to be involved with any politics of the politics happening at that time, but she wanted to be a whole nation. And that statement really got him and really pulled him, drew him into her aura. So at that point, he began to regret, or he was already, let me say, he was already betrothed to uh, get married to Abeku, I think that the chief's daughter, the chief and his, his son, Abeku baby's daughter, which would have made him obviously the one of the the chief or one of the top people in the village. And it was a political marriage that had been arranged by his great uncle Fifi. And it was agreed to by his dad and his mom. But due to him meeting this charming young lady, he didn't want because he could tell that he wouldn't have been happy in that marriage with the chief's daughter and he could see from his that first-hand experience living in a house with a loveless marriage and he didn't want his life to go down that path so he uh, fought against that marriage and eventually you know he ran away and uh, went back to meet the girl and they got married. He he didn't know actually he was declared dead. He he went to see the this petition woman who gave him uh she gave him or she told him where the Asantis were coming to come and fight the Asantis, which was going to be like a war. So he decided to go there and in the commotion and everything he was presumed dead so he could start a new life. So that's when he escaped. And he made his way back to Asante Land to go and meet his love, love of his life. So that, yeah. that was where James' story ended. Yeah, and don't forget, um, the grandma gave him her blessings. Yeah, 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 sorry, yeah. His grandmother gave him, he, he spoke to his grandmother actually was the one who gave him the courage needed to embark on that trip. And yeah. she gave him the stone to keep, and because it was a family heirloom, so to keep in the family and to remember her by. So he took that stone and he left. He went to the love of his life. I also found it interesting how his middle name was Richard. So after this nail, so that was pretty weird and cool. You know, his his quest yeah. son, uh, he's always named everything Richard. Mm-hmm. So he gave his son Richard. So that was cool. <laughs> so um, after James' story, um. I think that's where he talks about Kojo. Yeah, Kojo's story. Mm-hmm. Kojo was the son of Ness and Sam. Yeah. The one that escaped with um, Maako. And I think he had like um, six children or so. Or Five. Yeah. No, he had seven because he was going mm-hmm. to name the next one Pitch. So that, that was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, what were they? So, we had no, eight. in Baltimore. H is number eight on the alphabet now. So they had he had eight, but he only seven were with him. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
So they're in Baltimore. Right? That's where um, my uncle moved to. And then they worked for this um, um, family, this very nice family. Mm. Right? And um, anyway, that was, um, so I think around that time, that's when what was an overdenture? And then there was this motion to re arrest all the escaped um, slaves, right? And one day his wife was there and his wife was pregnant. The next day his wife was missing. And so he kept looking and looking for her, but he never found her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So his story was really, really sad. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And I think that Kojo story it's not like it didn't you know, make so much of an impact to me, but um I was trying to understand understand well. Um how it fits into the general plan, how it fits into the big picture. So Joe was H's father now. And yeah, no, no, no. I figured that part after, but like I'm talking about, you know, I was trying to understand. Like, he had um, seven children, you know, mm-hmm. before that, his wife was pregnant. Um, so my point was was not like it was. Eventually, I found out, you know, his father, you know, that. But each of the stories had a centralized, not a centralized point, had many points in them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like Effia's story talked about the relationship she had with her mom, like mm-hmm. complicated relationship, and that time was the beginning of slave trade. And there were so many points highlighted then, and then how she felt alone and shame. And then Essie's story talked about her being like how she, from being a big man's daughter to being a slave. Uh-huh. and all the emotions she felt at that time, you get. Yeah. The third story was this person's own. Whose story was that? He was going through um, identity crisis. He was trying to understand himself, his sexuality, yeah. how he fit into the world. You know, he wasn't here or dead, you know, so he was, you know, that was, you know, important. And his guilt, him dealing with the guilt of being part of these people, but yet also being part of the slave trade and all yeah. that. And then after his story, they talked about Ness. And Ness had, like, she was strong. They talked about her mother. They talked about Essie. And she talked about mm-hmm. how she missed her mother's silence, you know. And yeah. Yeah. They talked about her relationship with Pinky. Uh-huh. And then they talked about the relationship between her white owners and how they dealt with them, you know. And yeah, they talked about that. They talked about strength. They talked about how she wanted to fight for her family. Yeah. There were so many messages in each of these stories. That's my point. Yeah. yeah. And then one... when they got to Kojo's okay. story, you Kodo's... know. Kojo's. Okay, so in Kojo's story, no, Joe. Me... What was the one you, you say you don't know what to explain? Okay, so say yeah. what you want to see. 
each of these ones, right, in these stories, right, they kind of talked about the people that were important, like, um, like people that we've read before. Like, um, Essie talked about her mother mm-hmm. and kind of talked about Effia. Mm-hmm. Koi talked about his mother. James talked about his grandmother. People that we could relate to. But when it came time for Kojo's story, right, he didn't have anyone that we could have related with before, except my uncle. Yeah. So there was kind of like a disconnect for me, because we only knew very little about my uncle. We only knew yeah. like she was a proud Asante woman, and you know, she was fierce. She was, you know, she was fighting for freedom. So there was kind of like a disconnect because. The other stories I could understand, I could flow, I could relate. I knew the people in the story before that. That's the same way that Joe felt. Exactly how you describe how that there's a disconnect and there's no continuous storyline is exactly how the African Americans feel. Which is there are two different stories now. The African, what I realized that she's telling a story of the African American that is actually like African that can trace their origins up to where they are now, but they just happen to live in the US or were born in the US and stuff. And then there's the African American who has bits and pieces of their history who lose part of their self over time. And I was just watching their story go. And Joe's story, he never got to see his parents but his parents really wanted him to be free and he got to escape with Ma'ako who eventually became the only parent figure he had and you know that was the only experience he got to have with that parent figure and you know he had you know his papers to be a free man and then he had real free bonds he got married and had a chance to have this create this life for himself with these people even though he he doesn't really know how to be a father because he never has never experienced it but he was able to try to be a father and you know all his children were growing up and then there was H and then H never even got to experience having a father or mother at all you know so over time it's it's made me I feel like these stories made me understand the African-Americans more and a little bit of how their history was lost along the way. That's how I feel. Mm. I can understand that. Yeah. Okay. So the next story was Abner's story. Hello? Yeah. Wait, let me just, I just want to say something also on Kujo's story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just, I agree with everything Baby just said. And uh, that's exactly, I come to the exact same thing. And I feel that story also gives a bit of context into the Af- African American experience. And it gives a context into mm-hmm. his lineage and how things went down from there. And also tells you how difficult it was at that time because now they had. Officially, slavery was over. They were about to start a new life. All of a sudden, you can just walk in the streets and you're just picked up from nowhere. And you're like, oh, you're mm-hmm. slave again. Like, for well, just doing nothing. So it just shows, goes to show how difficult it was to break free of slavery. Actually, although in name it was no longer there, but to break free of the chains that it was still placed on you due to your color or due to, and the struggles you had to go through to rise above that. and as the Americans say, rise yourself up by your bootstraps 
the struggles he had to go through. So it kind of set the pace for the story when it comes to his son and his grandchildren, like the rest of the African American experience. So that's what I thought about that part of the story. Hmm. Now I can understand that. I guess I I I didn't think about it that way, you know. Like I could um I sympathize with the story you get. But I guess yeah, I could understand what you mean. Yeah, Abena story. story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Abna was the daughter of James, and he's the person who fell in love with. I forgot her name. And she was kind of a problem child. Everybody used to talk about how her father's land was no could not grow anything, but she couldn't understand why her father was content, even though his land was not growing anything. No, they tried, they got, you get different seeds and different stuff. And then people were, were always talking about how, whether maybe he was cursed or he demanded that he not grow anything. But the father was still planting and he was still content and still happy. And she, she was so dissatisfied that, like, yeah. because of that, self, nobody wanted to marry her. Maybe there's a cause in their lineage, you know. Why is the father's not, yeah, why can't the father farm? you get and she was 20 yeah. something and she couldn't get married so she was very dissatisfied with her life she had a best friend that refused to marry her even though they were close even though they were each other's first you know but the guy kept saying that um, once he makes the big harvest yes once mm. he makes harvest he'll marry her and they were you know fooling around with each other and but her parents never let her go to yeah and then one day she was like she must go she's going even though her parents were like she shouldn't go she eventually got her best friend to take her there and somebody recognized her you know because she was in disguise yeah. so the person thought she was this guy mm-hmm. and she was like person was like james you know and like person was like he's you mm. you're yeah. back because yeah, I wondered a, if her father was having another name because she did not even know who James was. Yeah, no, I, th- I like them. They call her father, her father unlucky because she was unlucky. Mm-hmm. I don't think she was. Yeah, they call him unlucky. Know his yes. father's name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she didn't even know who she was talking about. Yeah, she doesn't know her father's name. That's so weird. Yeah. And there was, you know, they could recognize him. I don't know if it was the beauty that had been passed on in their lineage. It was that beauty. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, his, skin, I think so. his skin colored so. Yeah, I think so. And so I think the I think the man who saw him was her father's uncle. You no, know, in the father's story, they mentioned he had in the father's cousin. They mentioned he had this cousin they were very, very close to. Mm-hmm. His father was close to this particular cousin. Yeah, that, that was yeah, yeah. That was in that was in I had a feeling that was yeah, because she described the man as not being that much older than her own father. So I was thinking it was probably that guy, the father's cousin. You know, and you get, and then they talked about how um, the story got kind of confusing for me at some point in time. She sort of became the jinx. Whatever happened around it, at the moment that I got confused. But I know that, um, yeah, after she came back, the land 
stopped yielding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody could plant anything again. Yeah. And, and they found out about the relationship with Yes. Friend. And people were saying it was it was due to her that there was cause of her abomination, that's her, why. Her case, exactly. Was her case of rest of the village. And um after yeah, at the end of the day, she, like they didn't, I don't think they told us she was pregnant until like when they talked about her child. And that's they told us she was pregnant. They told us, yeah. She, yeah. She was she holding told, her belly she, in the hall yeah, when exactly. he said he would not marry her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she left. She didn't tell him she was pregnant though. No, she didn't tell him. She just she just got up and left because she decided that the man wasn't going to take it seriously and yeah. she had had enough of that life. Yeah. So she was going to make her own way. You know, so she, she went, went to back to Kumasi and then she saw a missionary. Yeah. So she actually no, met I the kept, missionary the first time she went there. I kept thinking about how um, how um, was that the only story, Seth? Was that the only part? I, how they kept talking about was it? I, I'm trying to remember if I read this in another book or was that same how people could be friends for a long period of time. No, it wasn't just in that story. They talked about it somewhere, some other story. They talked about friends, people that were best friends, and when they were close. It, another story, that was um, H's daughter. H's daughter. And how somebody that you guys are friends, like, it's not like you guys and love, got married. Okay, they've been crazy. friends for years. And yes, they get married. I, yeah, I can't understand I like how it. you can. No, I, I appreciate those kind of relationships, right? They should be yeah. comfortable. But you can yeah. see these two stories that it sort of gave the person the right to hurt the other person in a way that they should not have done. I mean, the fact that they were friends meant, like, originally, whether they had a sexual relationship or not, should mean that you should care about the person, welfare of the person. Mm-hmm. Get. But you could see how each of these people took the person for granted, even though they, they were too friends. familiar. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm, like I can marry her like, anytime. She's my friend. You know, it was like familiarity breeds contempt kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shouldn't you guys be friends? Why would you mm-hmm. treat somebody that was originally a friend like that? You get yeah mm-hmm. uh, okay. the fact that he didn't want to be with her not just I think they knew that what they did was not um, what like he couldn't stand for her number one number two he knew that what they what they were doing was not right and mm. like what were the consequences of it like the way mm. he treated her you know why yeah. couldn't you just tell her I feel because of your distance I'm afraid to marry you as in, so I think, I think, she, I think he genuinely wanted to marry her. He genuinely wanted to marry her, but he had to yeah, marry another so. wife because of yeah, the cocoa. The, the cocoa beans, yeah, exactly. So I think, I just think, was she was just unfortunate, like yeah, unlucky, that, <laughs> as that the thing. Because I think for the first wife, I agree that he he didn't want to marry her because number one, to marry somebody, you have there's a considerable investment. You have to pay a lot of uh, yams and stuff to the person's family. 
and they thought, or I think he thought she wasn't worth that investment at that point in time. But I do think uh, he generally wanted to add her to his wife later on. But as fate will have it, the long famine came and he couldn't get married because there was no food. And after that, when he got rich, he had to promise to marry somebody else. But this thing was just bad timing with, with mm-hmm. him and her. Because you can see that he did, had genuine affection for her. Yeah. But this thing was just bad timing. And she couldn't, and, and, and for her, understandably, you can't wait for somebody. She was around getting to like 30, 35 or so by that time. Because when her story began, she was 25. And there was this famine for like six years. It takes her into her 30s, and there are other years in the story which they just for beyond 33, 34. You can't wait for somebody that long. So, understandably, she also wanted to get a leg up on her life. So, I just feel that part was just unfortunate. Sad story for everyone. Just uh, wasn't the right time, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, she had a baby, so she was. Uh... It's just unfortunate yeah. what happened to her, though. Yeah. I don't think I was supposed to say what happened to her. Yeah, was supposed to mention. Okay. I was supposed to talk about H now. Okay. H. Yeah. H was... Our H. Uh, H story was sad. I guess I was very happy sad. that he was happy at the end of the day, but he had a very sad beginning. Like, most of his life was yes. sad. Yeah. And... I just kept thinking about the fact that, you know, it wasn't too late for him when he decided to make something of himself, of his life. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, he died contented. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What yeah. he had achieved. Because, yeah. um, okay, Pitch's story was, um, he was a free man. You know? And at that time, white people didn't like free black guys. Yeah, and um, he talked about how the only thing he had done was he fell in love with this woman and then he cheated on her. So one night mm-hmm. when they were having sex, he called out the person's name, and that was how they, you know, broke up. Anyway, he was a big free man and he liked walking around. He liked walking because he was free. He liked walking with pride, which yes. ruffled the white people. Yeah, yeah. ruffled a lot of people's feathers. So, um, when they, they, they now arrested him because they said that apparently he was looking at somebody. He was watching the white woman. And then, <laughs> you know, the way he kept talking about that, about how, whether maybe the woman wasn't <laughs> fine or something. That was yeah, that's what he was looking at somebody that was not even fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you read his story, you can see his preference for women were like thick kind of women. And he was like, this horny skin white woman, all you have to do there. I think that was mm-hmm. the angle was coming from. Because if you see the way he was describing his actual <laughs> yeah. yeah. like how, how full she was. Like a uh, mm. skinny woman, what am I going to do? That kind of, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then he was, was very, very offended by that. Yes. <laughs> and then they talked about how he was arrested, and they asked him that, okay, if you can't pay, then get your family members to help you. But the only family member he had was that his girlfriend, Cora Hope. But he knew he had been hearing stories. Yeah, I wrote that part because I was like, 
what's this? Page 162. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think we're yeah. how, how wives and sorry, that's her name. He couldn't call it now, not with this shame hanging over him. He heard of black women coming to the jailhouse to look for their sons or husbands and being taken into a black room by the policemen, told that there were other ways to pay a fine. No, they thought it would be better off without him. And so they chained them and took them to Alabama. They sold them. Hey, God. Sold by the state to go and work in the coal mines. In and it's only because he had half of the bail money. Yeah. He had half of it. I think the, the bail money it was so yeah, it was just a high amount because they know no a high amount. Yeah, they exactly. knew that they couldn't afford it. That's their way of justifying them being in jail. And the guy that was in jail with him, the white guy, was busy for me that that how can he be? How can I this? die in the presence of <laughs> this new As a, of a black man? I was just I just don't even understand. And you know, for a white person, it has to be something really bad, something really bad for you to end up there. But for the black guy, I'm telling you, something as simple as watching, watching, being accused of watching, watching a white woman. woman pass. I think one person said he stole a nickel or something ridiculous. Like yeah, he stole a nickel. He was there for, he was there for uh, ten years for stealing a nickel. Was it he, ten or even twenty? I saw. I wonder, ridiculous. It was about eight years for looking at a white woman. Let's look at that. And they talk about how so many black guys and just died, like for just bogus things. Just died. And yeah, and, and you get thinking that I don't want to die here. I don't want to die here. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he could not believe it when he got free. Yeah. Like, you know, there was a time when he almost, when he thought his hand was. Like useless. Yeah. Just yeah. Arm. He couldn't move his arms. Both mm -hmm. his arms were aching. He was trying to shovel for the white guy that was forming. How can I be shoveling with this black? And <laughs> 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 he's like, they put them in front of him. Hey, this guy does not shovel. I'm the one that will die here. So <laughs> shovel the two hands. Yeah, each two shovel at the And then when he came out, you know, he had to find a job and then he got you know a job in the coal mine and then the first time when they told them about strike like get mm -hmm. you know better conditions for them and he he did not want he wasn't interested in you know striking because mm -hmm. what would striking entail like they are just gotten their freedom anything they do they could be taken back to jail for yeah and he had to put his courage together to even get involved in striking, in the strike. And the, and the white guy there was busy forming, oh, we're all cons. We say, what do you do? You murder the man. <laughs> what did this guy do? He stole a nickel. The other one, just look at a white woman. How can you yeah. say you guys are on the same boat? Ah. That was very powerful. That was, that this was part so of the story actually made me think of how many people have lost their lives for like such bogus things because i'm telling you and it just puts in a different context a different light these police uh 
protest and stuff because these stories are passed over from this is a work of fiction obviously but mm. you can see it's grounded on actual stuff that happened like actual yeah. stories and these stories are passed away in families from generation to generation so if you are a black, a black american in 2020 it's not ridiculous that you know a story of how your great grandfather was treated so badly so and it was the police who actually took him there the police who took him to the 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 who's uh, who took him to the mines for them to who sold him to their mines in essence and they were being paid every month for him working for them so let's go to show how how deeply rooted these race relations in the u.s are and how much of reconciliation needs to be done if they're actually going to move past this because there's a lot of these issues. Like when I was reading the story, my blood was just boiling. Like how can you just pick somebody up just like that? Like for doing nothing at all. And mm. his good years of his life just wasted. Eight years of his life. Just wasted for nothing. He, he didn't do anything. Mm. Just the unfairness of it and having to live like knowing in your heart that you have not done anything but yet to have to do all this, have to go through all this for no reason than the color of my skin. Like, has mm. to be really rough to, to, to take a, a really better pill to swallow. That this is life. Like, this is how I have, this is, this is the card's life. These are the card's life has built me. I just have to be okay with it. It was really tough for me to swallow that. And that is not even my story. I'm just reading it. Mm. Yeah. But this is how, like, how, if, how somebody like that would be feeling and how the whole community of Landau would be feeling. Because if it's happened to H, it happened to, uh, it could happen to be happy to see like so many people have gone through this and it was just it was just bad and it's just like it was like a target for like mass i've heard like mass incarceration and the funny exactly. thing is that after taking all these people to jail normal jobs they'll make it so that if you were in jail you will not be able to get a job there were different things that they were doing to stop the black americans from actually having yeah. a normal life they couldn't yeah. get mortgages. They they couldn't get something called redlining. There was like a lot of things that they did to make sure that these people remain poor, that these people remain yeah. on the bottom of the food chain. And that that just really hurts me. Especially because they just picked that guy up now. And now if that guy yeah. wants to apply for a normal job, they would think that he's a murderer or something. Meanwhile, he just right. looked at the white woman like and he didn't even look at the woman. He didn't even look at the white woman. That's the way I'm going back. He didn't even look at it. That's the and when they went on the strike. When they had the strike, they just wanted to bring these black boys from nowhere. Like, just this mass, they wanted to bring these 14 and 15 year olds to take their place, working in the, in the mines. And you could tell that these boys were obviously innocent. Nothing they had done. And they even shot one, like, just in cold blood, for trying to run away or something. So, it just shows how, how badly treated they have been over the years. Yeah. And they were like, they just don't want to see a confident, free black man walking around. And that was yeah. like, wow. Yeah. yeah. But I'm glad the story ended in a bit of happiness. Because it's sure, of yeah. And they had a job. And he, had, he was able to go back to Etsy or something. And yeah, they had exactly. his children together, two daughters. That was yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that part was sweet. Uh, sweet and uh, a very distinct whole life. Yeah. I'm happy at you uh, welcome him back. I'll be ST, whatever that name is. Yes. Welcome him back. S. 
Yeah, I'm happy to welcome him back. Yeah, yeah. But I could also understand what she came for because her, the reason she gave for her reaction was so spot on, like two yes. Yeah, um, because that was like page one seventy seven. I I read that down some. Um, yeah. that part was like, you have to understand H. The day you called me that woman's name, I thought, ain't I been through enough? And mm. just about everything I had, I had ever too. had been taken from me. My freedom, yeah. my family, my body. And now I can't even hey. own my name. Ain't I deserve Woo. to be if to you at least, if nobody else. And why gave me that name herself? And that so is all true. I, yeah, all, all I had of her then was the name. That's all I had of myself too. And you won't even give me that. Wow. You, get. you know, most of the second characters, they never told us how they felt, what they had been through, you know, their yeah. own story. Because mm. there was one central character, there was one family. Yeah. That was like the first yeah. time we're seeing into yeah. a secondary character's exactly. thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Raw emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was, oh, yeah, that part was really uh-huh. epic for me. It was deep for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. How she bent her foot. She even bent her foot when she was talking to her. So mm-hmm. she was really in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next story was Aqua. Aqua's story. Aqua was... Um, yeah. Abina's daughter. Daughter. Yeah. And Aqua yeah. grew up in the missionary. Yeah. With this um, white missionary guy. And as soon as she could, she married somebody. You know, she just wanted to be married. She just but wanted before happiness. Then, before she got married and she told the guy, what did he say? He but told she her told that she's a heathen. Yes, the guy was always, yes, she said she was a that she can't, you know, he could, that she can't marry, that he forbids her from marrying that guy. Mm-hmm. And when she eventually, you know, decided that she wanted to marry the guy, he now confessed to her about her mother. Mm-hmm. And told her. The name of this guy. As in. Hi. Yes, after she had given birth. You know, it was immediately after she had given birth that he dragged her for baptism. What strength does she even have? You know, and she was fighting him that she's not, you know, that she's that her she own nation. She doesn't want to be converted, yeah. Yes. Exactly. And the guy now drowned her. The guy was possessed. He said she wanted to be, she needs to be baptized. I need to baptize her. She's a heathen. What? The heathen you know, between real christianity and some exactly. distorted christianity that some people had then i was just about to say that this missionary his example is and he burnt you know, out you can see it even in more than this yeah he burnt out his dead body yeah he burnt his dead body he had such a thought that's super and then oh she and like you can she, see the parallels even more than this some of the modern christians the christian you don't see the And like okay, she so what was I saying? He burnt her body. Mm-hmm. 
and so she she grew up unstable. Mm. Yeah. Always seeing the fire woman. Yes, always seeing the fire. You know, she didn't start seeing the fire woman per se until after they burnt the white guy. Mm. That's when she started having dreams of the fire woman. Yeah. And then, you know, after her husband went to, she had given birth to two daughters. And then after her husband went to war, she was pregnant. The mother-in-law now locked her in the room and said that she was, yeah, that she was sick. That yeah, that she was sick. And locked her for days. I don't know how long the woman locked her for. On, do get? And when the father, when the husband came back, the mother even knew that she had done something wrong. And then the two of them, like she was, it was like she had been disconnected from that world after she got up. She was just cold and aloof and just quiet and she actually kept having dreams you know yeah. but there was nobody to talk to her about her dreams nobody to understand her dreams nobody to help her deal with what she was dealing with uh. and so after she gave birth she just poured all her love poured all her this thing on her children and then um you know they never talked about how what actually happened like no they talk about what happened right but she then burnt down from, the yes house. from her perspective she was in the dream in and the dream yes yeah, and they were handing her the fire yes, so i don't yes. get that what if she was not I the think, one that burnt down the house no i think she was the she one, was the one. The so what, think, was it like she was possessed and she exactly I feel like, she did not know because she told her she was dreaming Yes, I think she was possessed because the dream is basically what manifested. Because in the dream, the fire woman had these two children in their arms and they got consumed by fire and stuff, and that's Mm -hmm. what manifested actually. So I just think Ikea was she was just possessed. I don't know, I think uh, what happened to her mother because her mother was bent in fire, and as she said later on, I don't Mm -hmm. think that was the evil that was. You know, when it, evil begets evil. Evil begets yeah. evil. Yes, there was a part. But you know, the fire didn't um, originate with her. The fire originated the mother. Great, great, great. The slave ran away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can see the mm-hmm. fire had just been in their family bloodline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they kept talking things. about how it was kind of like the fire, the burning of that white guy set off something in her. Exactly. It just packed it off. Mm-hmm. And already, I, I, you could see she was a bit absent-minded. She could stare at something and just lose focus and stuff. Yes. So she already had maybe these issues. I don't know. Maybe she had mental problems. You don't know. Maybe she was yeah. so friendly. And then when she, what we knew was when she woke up, they were already, you know, dying her. They wanted to kill yeah, her. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So she went off basically. She was so confused. Sometimes. Yeah, she was so. She's like, so what's happening? Yeah, well, this is sad. The sad part. The cripple and the crazy woman, and the crazy yeah. lady. Mm. So they took and because the husband saved the son, like the son was the only one that did not, you know, get burnt in the fire. And he saved the mm. son, saved her. Yeah. But okay, okay, finish. But you know, I was like, um, I just um, okay. I didn't know what I was wondering. What did it take for him to have forgiven her? 
I don't know because okay. almost immediate. He was like, "Please, I mean, the child needs a mother and yeah, let her down from the tree." Like, I don't know. Maybe he yeah. knew that she was not okay. He knew because he had he just, all this time, and mm-hmm. he knew he was because if you read the story, he, uh, sometimes when they're lying in bed together, he could tell she wasn't sleeping. He could tell and she both was of them were not okay. Nightmares. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, he was dealing with his own loss of his legs. His leg, exactly. Mm. But I mean, so both of them were not in a good place. Even before you know, that, when, when, even before that, before the war, you could see that sometimes she was complaining about how she was uh, remembering in her dreams, how she was, how she had these all these nightmares, and how she kept on screaming. In the beginning of the story, she had this. Was, dream, yeah, she, she screamed in her nightmare. And he reached out for his machete, and he was he looked around, and she apologized. So I think he already knew deep down that there was something already happening, oh. unexplainable with his wife. So I don't think he would have been that shocked. Although I know he would have been shocked, but I think he would have understood a bit that my wife has always been beset with these problems. Yeah, but even so, though, Jigger, you know, if you think about it black and white, she killed her children, so she must be evil. Yeah. 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 And... You know, the fact that when they told us about how they saw, he moved out with her to stay with her and left the son with the villagers, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking about well, how yeah. it was not so simple. Things are not mm-hmm. black and white. Things are not so simple. That's all that mm-hmm. kept you know, ringing in my head. Like, yeah. Maybe he felt he could not even take care of the child and, you know, she's the best yeah, bitch. Yeah. Or maybe he felt yeah. that they both were, they were broken together. Abby, maybe. And they would help <laughs> each other. Or maybe it was just love. Maybe. maybe whatever it was, he saved her life. Whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> he saved her life, yes. He saved her life, yes. And she lived to be a good grandmother. She was a big, yeah. yeah I think she was always, she was always a good... I, I, I feel like if she hadn't bent her children, she was going to get past and bent to get close... No, in the previous nightmares, it didn't end well for her. But in that particular one, it seemed like she had gotten a bit of peace because it wasn't like the other dreams where she would wake up all frightened and stuff. In this particular dream, you could see that uh, the firewoman wasn't angry with her. The firewoman was a bit content. So I think even if she hadn't been her children, I, I feel like that would have been, or that was, was getting to the end of the terrors she was experiencing when she was sleeping. I don't know if it was getting to the end. We can't say it was getting to the end. But I felt like she needed somebody to talk to. Mm. Yeah. You know, her mom had um, her mom had that um, oh yeah, she used to have that guy. That her fetish guy. Yeah. 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 And then that one died. So she didn't have anybody that she could speak to about what she was going through. She needed somebody that she could, that would know that, okay, she's not all right. Mm. Do you get? Somebody to make her, help her understand what was going on with her because she was in torment and she could not yeah. allow herself sleep because, you know, she was afraid. Yeah. I think her not sleeping was, also played a big part in her Yes, yeah, yeah, played a big part in, you know, the dream coming to life. Yeah, yeah, because if you don't have enough sleep, you can't function well. You'll be, you'll be acting weird and stuff. So, for this, unfortunate. Yeah. She was scared to fall asleep. 
You know, what, what I was, when I was reading like, the part where the firewoman um, looked content, she was, you know, feeling relieved. I was like, I, was, I had like a premonition, like something was going wrong. The same uh, thing for me. I just had a feeling something was about yes. to Yes. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, please let her not have killed her children. Uh, do you know why I was thinking? I watched an episode of Private Practice and they, they were talking about this woman that killed her. She smothered her two or three children. Um, and she was pregnant then. Wow. Yes. That child is in danger. There was something wrong with Tasha mentally. But as you know, this movie, it was like that the same feeling I felt at that time. And I was like, oh my God, why is she relieved? Is something is she doing something? What's happening? What's actually happening? And then they now talked about how she had born the house. Ah. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> this movie like that. I don't know if you have watched Shat- Shatter Island. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. Also, something like that where he was married to this woman who she was also, she was also beset by these nightmares and stuff. But one time, when she wasn't herself, she just took all her children to a stream and just drowned all of them. So that also played in my mind that I hope there's not what this woman just did. Yeah, but there's a story think... like that in um, Supernatural too. And then so, yeah, I think so it, they had to deal with that demon or ghost. So these things, I feel like they, it's possible they do happen. Yeah, they do. They happen. That's why sometimes in, in cases they'll they claim that the person was mentally ill and the person did not know what they were doing at the moment. And they would rather take the person to you know, a psychiatric hospital and, and go to jail. Because yeah, yeah, there's no purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next yeah. story is Willie's story. Yeah. Oh, Willie's story. Willie was a good singer. Willie was a good singer. singer. Yeah. Like, they, they, tell Willie's story. Okay, so yes, tell Willie's story. I've told enough stories. Yeah, you'll still probably tell more later. <laughs> so, Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Really, 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 oh my gosh, she's the daughter of H. And she's a really, really good singer, like comforted. And the song she sang, that she sang towards the end of the story, something about the crown. I actually went to go and listen to the song. That song is beautiful. I searched it on, you know, on YouTube. And I shall wear a crown. Oh my god, that song is, is really good. I listened to the one by Yolanda DeBerry and I was blown away. So she she sings normally and then when she was very young, she met this guy called Carson. The Carson she met. Oh, I think Robert. She met Robert. She met Robert, thank you. So I was like, no, this is wrong. Okay, so she met Robert when she was young and she was singing in church. I remember him to meet her. Like they, they brought him to meet her later so on. The union meeting. Yes, a union meeting. Because her father mm-hmm. became the head of the union. <laughs> they were living in the Pratt City where there was a coal mine before where H was working before. And okay. She okay, Robert and Willie. They met when they were young. 
they fought for it like he they just like he said oh yeah okay she said something to him first yeah she, she asked said, him are you what happened to your eyes or something no, like why you asked him if he's white no it's his sister that asked if he's white she asked what's wrong with your eyes or something like that or how why are your eyes yeah. like that she had mentioned something about his eyes and he was yeah. like what do you mean and she she now kept quiet and her sister said are you white then he now said he didn't i think he, he didn't answer he said no. then no, he said no Okay, no. said no. He said he gave a snarky remark about whether they, yeah. about something about their father being old. No, he said something before their father being old. He said something that made I don't know. But yeah, he now said that father is old and she was upset that she pushed him on the ground and then they became close and then they grew up together, fell in love at sixteen. They stepped with each other and then they got married, I think at eighteen. And later on, after a while living together, and they, I think they had their son then, they moved to New York. And they, she wanted to make it big there as a singer. And he was going to find work. But he couldn't find work in the regular black, black places because they were like, oh, you are not black, that you are white. And somehow he was blending more in the white areas. He had a lot of white features. So he passed as white. So... In giving the choice between black and white, he because that's the only way he could get a job, he decided to be white. So he they started having friction because of that. Um, whenever people see them together, it's always a whole thing that people will always be like, Oh, why is this white guy with this black woman? and a lot of things. So they started having like distance in their marriage, and even when and she, she couldn't really find a job because they were like, Oh she's not fair-skinned enough um so she became a cleaner and so both of them had issues in their marriage and it wasn't working out he later on became later on got a job in a jazz club where she was a cleaner and he was one of the like main guys like sitting and watching this thing and when they met each other in the bathroom when she was meant to clean up the thing he threw up it was like a whole thing because he was trying to pretend like he didn't know her so that she can be safe but in the end she ended up mentioning her name and they're like oh do you know her and everything so it was just a whole thing no, he, his... didn't, he wasn't pretending to not know her so that he can be safe he was he didn't want he like he was ashamed yeah, oh. yeah don't make him black, seem like yeah it was a, okay yes. okay he was he was ashamed, he ashamed but yeah. he was still checking her out though which and checking her out, he came, she came there, they met each other there, and she saw him, right, in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, she and then the his, friends, his friends now came in. So he now looked at her, you know, and the way they wrote it, begging her not to say his name, not to pretend like she was familiar with him. Mm. And so the guy now just wanted them to leave that place because it was awkward for him. And then the friends mm. wanted to rape her. And then they were like, yeah. oh, let her, you know, attend to us. We already have and was about to right spit here. on his face. And he's like, Willie, really, no. And then that's how that he was left there in the bathroom. Yes, yeah, so he now, that was just nasty. In, in front of his friends. His white friends in front of his friends. And they're like, Robin, so don't bad. come back to work tomorrow. Even after doing so that. So he lost his job so after low. doing that and lost his marriage. I can't imagine somebody being that weak. Like, how can I be so weak that your own wife, you have a child, that you can't. You can't even stand up for her. So also, I'm just talking because I'm in his shoes because I can imagine it's very difficult to find a job 
in that particular yeah. time, in that particular era. And he was he had finally... To pass that had, yeah. Exactly. He had found this job he was comfortable in and it was a good job, obviously. Yeah. And it was a tough position to be in. You have to choose between food, like money, being having enough money position. and I think it was it was kind of tough. I I I I'm not making excuses for him. He was he was a bad guy. Because he was trying to find job as a no, bad person. No, I'm not saying him finding a job. He was comfortable being a white person, right? Yeah, because it was and easier. And, okay. It was easy for him. Yeah. But yeah, let's. Really it is a matter of priority for him to have degraded his wife. Somebody mm. that he had claimed to love, that they had known each other for years, they had grown up yeah, together, yeah, that was they friends, they fell in love. That was very and bad. And you are telling me that in that situation, because somehow, somehow, he felt that his job was more important, he could mm. embarrass her, humiliate her. In that situation, like that. he was so wrong. He shouldn't have done that. He was wrong. He should have walked away and rather not, lost his job. Not than... just as a husband but as a friend as a human being as a, yes human being as a human being that was that is, was wrong all i'm saying is for him what led to the breakdown of their marriage was that they were growing further apart because he was now associating with the white part of town and she was obviously still a black woman yeah so i'm just talking in the angle of how their marriage came to fall apart because yeah. Between Even before then, it was already falling apart because they were living different lives. One person was yeah. as a white person, 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 person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it just brought things to a head. And thinking of, I was just thinking of having to sacrifice this life, that this comfortable life, because sacrificing comfort is never easy. Because mm-hmm. if you're given the chance, you are going to choose comfort over suffering 90, yeah. 99 times over 100. So. Mm-hmm. He was what he did was so wrong and was so bad and everything. It was just I feel like it was just it was a tough position to be in because you could choose to neglect this fancy life that you have now and go to this small apartment you have sharing with Josie. Was the mentioned apartment with the the school teacher, the head, the teacher, their their friend in Harlem. So you have to live in this small apartment with your your, your son and your mm-hmm. wife and that guy. You're all sleeping on the same mattress, and now you have, like you have to front, you have, you have to front to be somebody you are not in order to live a different lifestyle, which mm-hmm. is weird, or which opens more doors for you, which which is which is which is infinitely more comfortable than the life you are living. So the sequence that brought their marriage to an end, it's tough. Right. I just think it's tough because I can't, I can't personally, I can't say I would have, I would have done what he had done because I'm not in that position. Mm. And in America, in that particular age and time, seeing how blacks were treated as if they're not even human beings. Yeah, I think I think um, that. they were living two different lives. Okay. Like their two lives were two distinct. Yeah. couldn't relate on a extreme level of how, extreme ends. You know, because okay, he he was dealing with who he was. Was he a black guy? Was he a white guy? He was too mm. white to be a black guy. Yeah, and being a white guy was kind of comfortable, but then there was also the guilt of treating the blacks yeah. like the way the white people treat the blacks. Yeah, exactly. and then dealing with the fact that he was also married to a black, a black woman, woman, you know, exactly. and she, she was dealing with you know finding her own identity and making her way, 
yeah, breaking out yeah, in exactly. a city that do not respect yeah. black people. Yeah. yeah. So they didn't have so much in common that they could talk about. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's very trash. Yeah, that's that's what drove I, them apart. I wish that trash. instead of society winning that they should have gone back to Pratt City. I wish they went back. I also wish they, and there's a lot of things I wish happened differently, but oh, they could have come back and made a different life for themselves. That would have mm-hmm. been. Because he, him not being a father to his child affected his child. Yes, yeah. that was really bad. Him forgetting that he had this family and just going to start a new family. A new family with a blonde woman. When she gives birth to a black like child, she should not be surprised, though. <laughs> no <a> problem. This is genes that generation. Yeah, that would be funny. As in, just a black child with blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> no understanding. Oh, oh we're white. I say, oh, actually. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> So I wish I wish that had settled, but it's okay. Um, anyway, and then the second husband that has second yeah, husband. Yeah, I don't know. Did they get married? They got married, didn't they? Okay, they did get married. I felt that they Eli did. Or, yeah, Eli, 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 whatever. He was even was a poet. that doesn't bring him money. He brought money sometimes. Ran away. Okay, brought money sometimes. Yeah, took the but, last rent and Sharon Erisha. Mm, he brought money sometimes, and then when he brought money, he stayed. He's not. He's not stayed. Mm. As in, when the guy first came, and then he was talking about how I like living my life or something like that. I'm like, ah, a dangerous person. As in, don't marry. <laughs> One they say time, a free spirit. It's free. <laughs> As soon as he comes, the way you came, you just go. That's not what Nigeria is calling. Just your mom will be. Will be chai. Oh, wow. You know, and I was just thinking, okay. Then he was fun. Taking her to places that he could not afford. I didn't even know how they used to leave that place. How did they used to leave without paying? Oh, God knows. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sir. So, um, after he you know, eventually left her, she eventually went back to church. Yeah. That's where she found her voice again. hmm And sang that song. Yeah, we wear my crown. hmm ah, Beautiful song. Yeah, she listen to it. If you have not seen it on YouTube, listen to it. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. song. I shall wear my crown. I should wear my crown. Oh, I, I shall wear a crown. Beautiful song. Okay, I think that's the end of her story. Yeah, so, so this part of okay, the there's story Carson, also... Yeah. was giving her attitude because of we love things. He was just an angry child. Yeah, Carson was yeah. an angry child. Yeah. He didn't receive yeah. a lot of... He received love from her, but he felt he didn't receive love from his dad. And um, this guy used to call him Sonny. Both if his yeah. father's yeah. father, his dad called him Sonny. So that became his real name. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I okay. think Willy story, story just shows like the plight of the single black woman. Yeah. This story, I'm sure it's something a lot of black men in America can relate to it. Being yeah. stuck with 
children and having to raise them all by yourself. For Absentee fathers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This guy, this early guy, Eli or whatever, poet, you just get up and just leave for five months, three months, you will be back and you just come when, as and when you feel like coming back. Like, mm-hmm. how can you live like that? Who lives like that? Don't you have any sense of responsibility? You have he did it. Uh, you just get up and just go, go and live your life and come back when you feel like it. It will just be so annoying. And having Carson also having to grow up through it, and, and he needed this, he needed stability. As a he needed it. He didn't even have stability. He needed structure. He, he had, you know, he went to different schools here and there. He didn't have enough money. He dropped from school to school. In the end, he didn't even get any full education. And you know, he didn't have stability completely at home and even in school. I don't even know. Poor guy. And he was a very smart guy. We learned later that he was actually very brilliant. He thinks he used to yeah. see his son. Yeah. But he never had a chance of you know, complete education. And he was an activist as well. But I think his story, that was later on. Mm-hmm, that's later. So, yeah. yo. How do you pronounce it? Yo. Uh, yo. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you sure it's yo? So maybe, I'm a Ghanaian, come on. So maybe, you, do you want to start this argument no. again? No, I don't want to ask if he's sure. Because I'm also a Yao. Is it? So, Yao is okay. a Thursday born. A guy born on Thursday is called Yao. Oh, it's serious. That's cool. Sydney Yao. That sounds like it's a not part Chinese. of my name officially, but I'm a Yao. Sounds like a Chinese <laughs> last name. Yao. Anyway, continue. Tell Yao's story. No, you tell your story so that you go say like tell. No, so I'll tell my maybe I'll tell my course or Marjorie's story. Okay, let me tell your story. I'll tell your so, story. You want to tell your story? Mm-hmm. I like okay, your sure. story. Okay. All right. So, um, how old was he when the story even started? He was old. Yeah, he was a teacher. Mm-hmm. He was a scar yeah. teacher. He mm-hmm. had yeah. Years, he had a scar, you know, on his face, and everybody could see, right? And he never wanted to get married. I guess um, maybe because of his own insecurities, he didn't want somebody to see. He didn't think anybody would see him as anything other than his scar. It didn't help that when he liked a girl, she said yeah. similar to so his fear. Mm-hmm. So after that. Anyway, Sha. So he was shy. The way they described him, he was a good teacher. Yeah, yeah very good history teacher. Yeah, a yeah. Good history teacher. And then he was trying to write a book. You know. And anyway, Sha. So he he was okay, yeah, I like the way he talked, right? And then they kept everybody asked him, okay, how do you how did he get his scar? He asked them actually, how do you oh, think yes. I got how that? Yes. And then so many people talked about the stories they had heard. And then he shall use it to illustrate the point. Anyway. That was a very mm-hmm. nice lesson. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, I said this is the problem with history. We cannot mm-hmm. know that we cannot know that which we were not there to see. And hear and experience mm-hmm. for ourselves. We can only rely on the words of others, those mm-hmm. who were there in the olden days, those 
they told stories to children so that the children would know so that the children would tell stories to their children and so mm-hmm. on and so on. and now we come upon the problem of conflicting stories yes yeah. see when you study history ask whose story am i missing am I, yes. whose voice was suppressed so that this voice this story could come forth like wow because this voice would come forth like wow wow and okay all he had heard about his parents all he had heard about his parents were that his mother was the crazy lady his father was a crippled man and that the crippled man and the crazy lady you know left and then they moved out of the village together and the villagers to kill him that's what he knew and you could tell that there was so much anger in him he was angry about why his mother had to make him the way he was why he had to be the way he was, why he had to suffer, why he had to have scars. He was so angry and he didn't know where to get his answers from. There was nowhere to. So he refused to get married, but he decided to you know, get a maid. That was when he met, uh, I think her name was Esther, right? Yeah, Esther, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Esther was, you know, she actually wanted to first speak in English and then until he now told her to be, you know, be comfortable in yeah yeah and you know when he first met Esther because of how timid she seemed he thought that she was afraid of him she did not know that because she was trying to impress him with speaking barrier English. of language yeah the mm-hmm. barrier of language not his and then they spent five years together and he was in love with her and he never said anything to her she was also in love with him <laughs> yes <laughs> waiting for him and they waited, I'm sure they waited more than that five years before they could <laughs> And okay, so, so after that, you know, that's when, and she had been telling him to go and see his mom, to go and see his mom. That's when he eventually decided to go and see his mom. And then when, when he met his mom, you know, like, he was, like that was the time when he needed the answers. Where was he? Yeah, that was like page two forty four. I wrote that part down. So yeah. where he was supposed to get the answers that he needed, you know, and he wanted to know why, how it happened, you know, everything. And so she was, and he was so surprised because she was so excited. He was like, she had been waiting for him. And then when she touched his scars, you know, he wanted to be angry, but she did not move, even though he was, you know, angry. And they had a moment, and then she had to, she got to tell her own story. Mm. And then they just, like, you could tell that there was so much, there were so many stories. You know, when, when you're telling the story of how something happened, you realize that you tend to digress because so many things contributed to the main point of the story you are trying to bring about. Yeah. And then she was like, okay, can I tell you this without telling you about this? Can I tell you about this without telling you about this? You know, but mm-hmm. she eventually told her own story of what happened. And then she now brought out the necklace, F.E.R.'s mm-hmm. necklace. I gave it to him. That's the stone that had become a necklace. Yeah. And yeah, that's when she now talked about um, the fire, the fire woman, and then she talked about what what I know now, my son. Evil begets 
Hmm. You know that there was a part in this woman's story that I forgot and wanted to say. Which part? Um, page one ninety. But let me, let me just say this part before then. Before go back there. Um, what I know now, my son, evil begets evil. It grows. It transmutes. So that sometimes you cannot see the evil in the world began evil in your home. Yeah. I'm sorry you have suffered. I'm sorry for the way your suffering casts a shadow over your life. Over the woman mm-hmm. you have yet to marry and the children you have yet to have. Mm. He broke down there. Yes. Yeah, he broke down in tears. And then when the mother now told him that she should he should let himself be free. Mm. He gets, yeah. So I uh-huh, paid one nineteen. That was the part where she was really desperate. When she was trapped in that room, and she was really, really desperate. No, the way she was trapped, and then she was talking about prayer. Okay, she's a page what? One ninety. Yes, yeah, she was like, um, she never understood the missionaries when they said, I think it's yeah, one one ninety. She never understood the missionaries. When they said that they could sometimes spend the whole day in prayer, but now she did. Oh, prayer yeah, was yeah. not a sacred or holy thing. It was not spoken plainly in tweet or English. It need not be performed on the knees with folded palms. For Aqua, prayer was a friendly chant, a language for those desires of the heart that even the mind did not recognize were there. It was it was the scraping up of the clay floor into her dark palms. It was the crouching in the shadow of the room. It was the one syllable word that escaped her lips over and over and over again. Yeah, that part was I don't know. There was something about that part that stopped for me. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's the end of Gal's story. Yeah. The sunny story. Mm-hmm. Sunny. So, do you want to say sunny, sunny, sunny story? Carson. Yeah, Carson. Carson. Oh, sunny story is so sad. But it's okay. Who's saying sunny story? Do you want to say sunny story, Comfort? I've said enough stories. Okay. Well, sunny story. Let <laughs> me just try my best, right? Sonny story. He he was casting. He grew up. He basically grew up without a father in his mind because he had two absentees, absentee fathers here and there. Eli was there, but well, that's the best he got. I think he used to give him apples or something. So Sonny became an activist, and every time he'll end up in jail. And his mom would be bailing him out. And he's like, why are you always ending up in jail? Blah, blah, blah. And he worked for the NAACP. I actually don't know what that means. Who knows what NAACP is? I feel oh, like it's a was, Christian something. Oh, it's a black, a black civil rights organization. Okay. So he worked for this organization. And he just always ends up in jail because he's fighting for black or M rights in America. And, you know, she... You know, he was just here and there, and he ended up having like different, like three children from three different women. 
and he liked another woman, Amani, which means harmony. I think in Swahili or so. Yeah, Anyways, he she he saw this woman. She walked slow like an old man, but she felt like she was young, and for some reason he was drawn to her. And this Amani, God of mercy, one day she decided to show him who she truly was, and she took him to this um, crack house, and she got her shot. And she looked at him, kind of saying, are you sure you still want to be involved, you know, with me? And he basically became a drug addict because of her. For some reason, he just couldn't leave her. At that point, Sosa walked out of that house and said he's not doing again. Because the first time and they gave him drugs. Again. <laughs> the first time they gave him drugs, one guy that was... Um, holding a broom like his mom is holding a broom to sweep people's house because she didn't trust um white people's brooms for some reason so she saw a guy holding a broom was talking to him about his life he's like oh how do what do you do i think to feel at peace or something like that or what do you do to have rest when you're stressed so that guy told him that i was not the first thing he told him the second thing he offered him was it was a barber shop yeah, yeah it was, a, it was a, a cigarette the fifth was a cigarette and the next thing was the well, next thing was drugs yeah, the pouch of crack. And his, he took it, he thought about it for a long time, and he went to flush it at home. So I thought that, you know, he had won the battle, not knowing that the thing would come again to come at him. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was a thing in the 80s. A lot of people were on drugs. So before you know what was happening, he was a drug addict. He was trying to come out of it, but, you know, he was stuck. And after moving from crack, I think he moved to meth later on. It was just, he was, was stuck. Heron is, is it, I don't know. I saw Metadone. That's Met now. Later you know, on. Yeah, that was when he was uh, trying to get revived. Yeah, I think like he moved. He ended up moving to another drug. Bottom line, he, was, he ended up being a drug addict for life from meeting this Armani person. And Armani and him had a, ch- a, a child, child named Marcos. So he was also here and there. He's his mom that used to give the baby mamas money, money she's the one that will give him money Please. for his drugs and he loved the mother's voice so it was always like later on towards the end she told him what happened and who his father was and you know why she did not let him meet his father then and she explained to him and she's like you always had this anger in your eyes it's like you've had anger there's a reason she said actually it's like say as if you knew that your father had a choice and you don't, you do not have a choice in your own life to move like to the other side if you choose or something like that. Yeah, and was, yeah there was a part where she was talking about how he's not the only one that matched. That he thinks that just because he's matching now, that he's the only one that matched. That mm-hmm. yeah, like that is is you get like she moving from where she was to New York was also a match. Match for him. Mm-hmm. For him to have a better life. For them to how, have it a breaks, how it breaks your heart to see him following his father's footsteps, being an absentee, absentee father to his children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that was just that was just uh, an intervention to finally help him get off because his life was because he had so much promise, like mm-hmm. he had so much promise and he was so hopeless, hopeless because he was in the housing committee of the NAACP. And they were trying to help families, black families, get out. Yes, get housing. Uh, going around, asking about housing problems. And, and he knew in, in himself that they couldn't do anything to help anybody. 
So they're the they're the young boy who asked them if mm-hmm. they can help them. From the young boy, and the young boy said he knows the country of life. So he just thought that was a very hopeless situation. So I think that just wasting his plight and that's, that pushed him towards resigning and trying to find something new, which happened to coincide with the money, money, which just took his life on a downward spiral. So hey. it's just, I think his life is, is it, you can say it's symptomatic. Like it's an example of a lot of lives at that point because yeah, you want to do so much good, but the system is so bad that everything you do doesn't work and you just get so frustrated before you realize you are taking solace in drugs and stuff. So it's just an, another example of a promising life that wasn't able to fulfill its full potential. Because you can see from his son, when his son became that, he had actually he actually had good genes. He could have been so much more than he ended up being. But mm-hmm. that, that, that had, had to happen to him. And that happened at the time where America was on this so-called war on drugs. Which was basically white people pumping drugs into black communities because the black people they didn't, they didn't even have money. So how were they going to import? Yeah, I thought about that. They like how they afford, you know, the yeah. drugs because these were poor people. It doesn't make exactly. any sense. It was basically white people, the rich white people going to buy these drugs from Colombia and stuff, and they come and dump it in the black communities and. Then from there you see then they start cheapening it. They start adding additives to it to uh, reduce the quality of the cocaine and it makes it cheap for everybody to afford. I actually saw a documentary on it sometime and it was just this bad thing. They paint it all on the black people and they called it a war against drugs and they use it as an excuse to arrest even more black people. For yeah. For possession. Yeah. Meanwhile, so just, a lot of them were smoking it in their parties. Exactly. So this Great. is a vicious cycle. So I think it happens to a lot of black people around that point and they get so frustrated with the system and then you just delve into drugs. And you happen to meet this woman who wasn't a good a good influence on him. The barman actually this blind barman warned him warned him about the woman. That the woman doesn't have anything good in her. But he, mm-hmm. he didn't give to the man's warning and he still wanted to chase her. He found the she introduced him to heroin and his mm-hmm. life just went down. So he just good. He had a good mother who didn't give up on him because his sister had given up on him. His sister didn't yeah. want his mother to reach out to him because she knew all he come for his money and go back and go back go back his old days. But his mother didn't give up on him, and eventually he ended up telling because in the end the the match the was taken up. She wasn't drugs to like to keep him like to get high and stuff. But it was just to help him he, function. Yeah, exactly. When he, and it was and taken at the clinic. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it was it was all above board. So mm-hmm. I think then he actually made some. He, he he left that that destructive part a bit. Although he didn't was able to fulfill his full potential, he still ended up having an okay life. And yeah, a good son. So that's a very a good son. Yeah, that's a little silver silver lining, lining in the cloud, but. Yeah. All in all, it was just the sad. He couldn't have. He could. He couldn't go to good schools. He, he didn't have good uh, friends around him. It was just. It's just sad. Or this is a sad story. For someone with so much potential. I really like how I think he lived his life on his schedule. So that really helped yeah. him to have some control on his life. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. To get some structure back in his life. Mm-hmm.
That was cool. That's the guy's story. I don't know anything else. So, is there anything else in the story? I think that's all. Yeah, Sonny's story. Yeah, so that's Sonny. Sonny. That's all. So, Marjorie's story. I think that was all, yeah. Marjorie's story. Ghanaian American. She's the Ghanaian American because most say she's African American. Even though people, the teacher told her that every person. No, she's not Ghanaian American. She's Ghanaian. She's Ghanaian American. She was born in America. So, she, um, when she was born, they sent her umbilical cord to her crazy, crazy mother. Was I don't remember the crazy woman's real no, name. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is she Ghanaian American because she was born in America? Both yeah, when you're born are, in America. Yeah. Both when her parents are America, Ghanaian. You're American. Her parents yeah. are Ghanaian and she was yes. born in America. So. She was born in America. So once you're born in America, you're American, but you're also yeah. Ghanaian. So she's Ghanaian American. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, a lot of no that's actually what it is but yeah okay so she she her parents moved this was um your and esther's child yow, no, sorry yao and yeah. esther's child and her parents moved to i think huntsville alabama and am i reading it right they moved to huntsville somewhere i forgot to yeah, it. was it alabama I don't okay. remember, but I don't they moved there and it was um Marjorie lived with them. She learned a little tree and she used to visit her grandma on holidays. So in school she was like one of the very few black people there in her school. I think there's only black person. But I think only not a there. few black people. So no, there were black people in her school. were black people, yeah. There were black people in her school, but she, they were not the same type of black. Yeah, because African American. Yeah. She, she was different. Yeah, she was Ghanaian American. They were like, "Why are you behaving white? Are you behaving white? Why are you speaking like that? Why are you reading this book?" So she was like, "Oh, I'm reading this book for class and stuff." And they're like, "I'm for class anyway." What of mine is is she didn't fit in anywhere. She was neither completely African American to people and to other people. She was just black. So she was just there in the middle and she was alone. And she eventually met this guy, Graham, which she liked. And she liked his like blue eyes and stuff. And she wrote poems about it. And this Graham used to like write poems to her and they used to talk about books and stuff and they had stuff in common. But when it was time and he was talking to her at lunch too as well. So when it was time for them to go for prom, he couldn't ask her because apparently it would be weird. Yeah, it's not appropriate. And, you know, people were looking at him weird in class in school when they sat next to her because the brunette girl was like, don't sit here. People will think, you know, dot, dot, dot. Anyways, so even though I think Graham liked her, he couldn't do anything about it because, you know, society and... You know, he just didn't have a mind of his own. So he couldn't stand for himself. Um, she was meant to say a poem for Black history or something in school. And she's like, you know what? I'm not actually, like, African-American. Like, that's not this thing. She's like, no, it doesn't matter to us. As long as you're Black, you're yeah, Black. Yeah, Black is Black is Black. Black is Black, as in... No, there are different types of Black. They, didn't, they don't care. They're like, you know what? You're Black. That's what you are. And she's like, okay, whatever. And she wrote, like, this really nice poem 
yeah that talked about the two different types of uh black people the the african the black people who were raised in africa and then or they end up moving to the u.s and she talked about the african-american who have been raised you know coming from slavery that lineage and all it was like split the, 283 yeah split the castle open find me find you we too felt sand wind air one felt whip whipped one shipped we too black me you one grew from cocoa soil bettered from nuts skin uncut still bleeding we too weighed the waters seem different but our same our same sister skin who knew not me not you so i think she was mainly i think for me how i felt about this poem is like the poem was talking about the two sisters that had two different lives um from mommy talked about mm. effia and essie and how they took two different paths even though that they were sisters i felt like it's kind of like a way of saying that africans and african-americans are sisters and mm. um even though it's all took two different paths we both feel air and sand and we're all black that kind of embracing so mm. that's how i felt i don't know how you guys felt about the poem that's how i felt about the poem and you know when she was in the poem her dad cried and all and she went to see she wasn't able to see her grandma die but she was very close to her grandma she spoke to her grandma and um she embraced being Ghanaian. um, um she embodied being Ghanaian, and I mean, later on, she will meet Marcos. But then, did they say what school she went to? I think she ended up going to the same school with Marcos. I believe she went to Stanford too. But they didn't mention it here. But they ended up meeting each other. So I assumed she went to Stanford. Um, yeah, she went on dates with Graham. And <sighs> even though... You know, he obviously liked her. He yeah, she loved yeah. her grandma. Yeah. She really loved her grandma. Yeah, she did. And her grandma so gave her the necklace. Her grandma gave her the stone necklace. So. She gave it to her dad. So I think her dad gave it to her. Yeah, I gave it to her. Her dad gave it to her. I found it weird how they they put her umbilical cord in Ghana. They like send me something from her, so we put it in Ghana. They put her umbilical cord in the sea. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know how it was sending the grandma the umbilical yeah, cord. Yeah, and the grandma used to. Each of them used to walk. The two of them used to walk into the like they walk into the sea, right? And then the yeah. grandma is always like this way so that you can remember to find your way home. Wow. So deep. I'm so glad that at that point in time, if ya if ya looked like she had, no, if ya if ya the grandmother, right? Uh, she looked like at that point she had overcome her demons. She was living a more of a transient life. She was living she was content. a more fulfilling yeah. exactly a more contempt and fulfilling life because when she was looking at her uh, history and the tragedy that happened to her, like killing your own two children. It, it can be something you can live down live with. Uh, yeah. forever. And the mm-hmm. fact that she was able to overcome it in a way and live a, a, a fulfilling life in the end was was a happy ending to a story for me because I thought Lisa said the way she ended up killing her children, almost killing her son. She was yeah. uh, called crazy, 
which was castigated, ostracized from the village, all these things. By the end, she ended up having a family. Her son uh, came back. She, she, she got a grandchild. She was very close to her granddaughter. I guess I think it was a, a good ending for her. Yeah, it was. Marcos was um, Sonny's son, and Marcos was able to get admission into Stanford to study his PhD in sociology. Um, he was writing a dissertation on, he was Amani's son as well, so both his parents were initially drug addicts. But um, he was able to write a dissertation about something in sociology, talking about like the black stories and somehow everything was intertwined. He just wanted to give up because if he tells, he wanted to tell one part of the story, but everything led to another part of the story. It's like, how won't I mention my father who had like drug experience in the 80s? How won't I mention, um, okay, he had the war on drugs, that's what you mentioned that. How won't I mention um, my the great migration that took people that flocked in? How I, so everything was linked. His whole life was linked. And he's like, I don't even know how I'm going to write this thesis. I don't know where it to start. overwhelming and personal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. His whole family history was basically intertwined into it. And it's like, it's such a huge project. And in that overwhelming time, he met, he had a friend that was just likes half one. I think his name was Deity or something. Deante, Deante. And this guy likes to have fun and all and go to parties. So he invited him along to one before he left and he was telling him that, oh, there's this girl I like, I met her at a museum, blah, blah, blah. I think her name was Key. So they eventually found, he had been looking for Key everywhere. <laughs> he went back to the museum. And he now found Key one random day and she was beside Marjorie. And he, you know, was had like her nice dreadlocks up to her, like, her waist. And she was light-skinned. And then there was Marjorie, who like, had like this Afro hair. And she was so, so pretty. And Marcos and Marjorie had a connection. And they became friends first. Even though Key, Key and um, Deontay's relationship did not last, but those people became friends. And eventually, she's like, oh, um, let's go to Ghana. And then he followed her to Ghana. And she walked him through the point of no return in Ghana. We have the same thing in Nigeria. But then there was the point of no return in the castle. Um, took in, they took them round to the dungeons, to the top where they had this school and everything and the church. And it was just a lot for Marcos and he had to leave at a point. And she eventually took him to the sea and it was a very peaceful time for them. She even gave him the stone and which was a very like symbolic thing because it was like Essie had finally found her sister, um, Effia. I mean, Effia had finally found her sister, Essie, and giving her the stone as well. So I felt like that was a very symbolic part of the story. I, I don't like, know if anything else happened to I like how me. she described, how he described their relationship. Um, oh. 294, I think, yeah, where he was talking about it. Yes, uh -huh. so Marcos thought 
about that day often. He was still amazed by it. This was when he was talking about how his mom took him to to show off to a drug addict friends and his friends found him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like he was still amazed by it, not by the fear he felt throughout the day when the woman who was no more than a stranger to him had dragged him further and further from home, but by the fullness of love and protection he had felt later. When his family had found him, not the being lost or the being found, it was the same feeling he got whenever he saw Marjorie, like she had somehow found him. Mm. That part was, you know, yeah. Really How these two you know, people that had, you know, you, Lots I don't know, yes, yes, you, you they would never know though, yes. You know, it was so amazing. Like, it kind of makes you feel like um, family is not just about blood, but there's just this kind of pool. Mm. This kind of invisible pool. Connection. Yeah. feel person. And then, okay, there's some other part of the story. Before we end the story, there's some other part of the story that got me. I'm not ending. There are some parts that caught my attention, so. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try. I wrote them down. Page two eighty one. When she was talking about her parents, yeah, their relationship. Uh, oh, how, oh, how, yeah. about how comfortable they were with yes, themselves. Yes, yes, like, yeah. yeah, like in the living room, her father was her father had started snoring. It was the way he had always watched movies. She pictured him leaning down onto her mother's shoulders, the woman's arm wrapped around him. Maybe her mother was sleeping too. Her own, her own head leaning towards Yao, a long box braid, a curtain, hiding their faces. Theirs was a comfortable love, a love that didn't require fighting or hiding. When Madri had asked her father again when he had known he liked Esther, he said he had always known. He said it was born in him that he breathed it in with the first breeze of Edwissel, that it moved in him like the Hamatan. There was nothing like love for Madri in Alabama. Yeah, that part was, you know, really sweet. Yeah, it was a really, yeah. really sweet part of the story. And you could actually tell it from, from when they first met. And mm-hmm. uh, from the time she forced him to follow her to the market, you could just tell that this was something that was brewing because she felt yeah. so at- comfortable with him and he just uh, released himself. Like he just let himself loose around her. You know, like he allowed himself to, to feel things for her and also to let go of his anger and all the issues he had due to her influence. So you could just tell that this was something that was going to be like so pure and sweet. And yeah. I think that's how Marcus and Madrid will also be like because yeah. that's true. It just gives the same vibe about how comfortable they are within themselves and how like they can just talk and just be at peace with others. So I just think it's going to continue with them too. And it's the same with uh, what's his name? James. James and Akusia. Akusia Mensa, the one he left. Mm. One left. Yeah. yeah. To tell that even though they were not prosperous and he was unlucky and all that, you could tell that 
their bond was still quite strong. So these are some of the examples of powerful bonds that I can see in that story. Yeah. Backtrack. Okay, backtracking to um, Essie's story. Um, I really liked when I was, one thing that I got there from Abronoma's story. And at the beginning, Abronoma was, was the slave that they were meant to get for Essie's household. And she was, they told, they told them that she was meant to carry a bucket of water. If not, they're going to weep her or something. Even though the man yeah. would weep her, but then the woman yeah. had to weep her the day before. And then she was supposed to carry a bucket of water. Nobody thought her, but she was to carry a bucket of water from one point to another. Everybody in the house was like watching. And they're like, if this girl does, if one droplet falls, they're going to weep her. So she walked and she was able to carry it to the end. And at the end, like, it, some droplets fell, but and they had to like whip her, but really, to be honest, she was able to carry it from one place to another without it spilling, which was the main aim. And the girl was asking her mom, she's like, how was this girl able to carry it? And the mom was like, you can learn anything if you have to learn it, especially if your life was on the line. And I was like, wow. That was just, it just struck me. And I was like, yeah, that was really true wow. also. And she was not like, oh, but she, like, she, the girl was now trying, the woman was trying to understand, like, why the guy had to weep her. Because actually, she carried it for one point to another. And the girl was now like, oh, if she had not whipped him, people would have thought the man was weak. And the woman was yeah. like, weakness is treating somebody like they belong to you. Strength yeah. is knowing yeah. that everyone belongs to themselves. I was like, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That part really yeah. good got me yeah and that part yeah. that got me is backtracking to james story um which james i think james, james son. yeah i think he's Quay's son i think that james yeah so when they were talking with david yeah so it's james Quayson's. so he was somebody was like the british were no longer selling slaves to america but slavery had not ended. And his father did not seem to think that it would end. Okay, his father, that's quick. Um, they would just trade one type of shackles for another. Trade physical ones for, that wrapped around the wrist for ankles and ankles, for, wrapped around the rings and ankles for the invisible one that wrapped around the mind. And I was like, wow. Yeah, that's what that's true. like, what happened? What's even still happening? Exactly. Yeah. The invisible um, slavery of the mind where they still think that everything the white people are doing better, they can never do anything good. Um, I don't know. There are a lot of things into it. It's more than that. Um, exactly. but yeah, it's now the slavery of the mind. Exactly. It's really deep. And for me, this please. Now, I was just looking at the map I drew of two different people, lineages from the same woman who had life um, experience and who eventually led them to meet at the end. That's what I was reading at. And it's cool how you guys call (laughs) Oibo people or Brony. So I wrote down there, wrote down here. Actually, we still call, we called, now we've we been called fair people already. It's not just real people. You call who? Fair people. Like fair people generally. Even yeah, same. We call people, um, fair people, Oibo. Oibo. And um, 
Yeah. And I didn't, oh. I didn't actually know that's quite that's where it began from. I didn't know the actual meaning of it, so it was mm. a lesson for me because it actually checks out. That's the literal meaning, but about yeah. that this is what this is how the the, the name began. So it was interesting. That was interesting mm. for me. Yeah. So you were going to say something before, sorry. Yeah, so I come to you know, this part about knowing, I think it was in Marcos's story, where uh, where Marjorie was telling him about her grandmother and he said and my grandmother sees things and that she must be crazy. Mm. And he was saying that, you know, she doesn't think she's crazy. Yeah. And being able to see things that people cannot see doesn't mean you're crazy. And mm-hmm. can, the man, like, can the blind man call somebody crazy? You see, man. That was a really pointed statement. He's the only person that didn't think she was crazy in the whole book. Yeah, everybody else thought she was crazy. And it's actually true because if you can't see something, somebody else is seeing. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are, you are seeing and the person is crazy. Because mm. as you said, blind people can't see what we can see. But it doesn't mean we are crazy for seeing what we, are, what we, we can see. It's yeah. actually a deep statement for me. It was huge. And I also wrote here about, like, apparently in the three months, they spent three months in the female, like, they talk about the female dungeon when they were on tour. Yeah. And yeah. 250 people women I'm, i just picture them like cramped in those spaces and you see they spend yeah. three months there and then you know they're tied up and it's uh, it very heartbreaking Terrible. i was just like wow wow Terrible. wow Terrible. and when... i remember they took us in to the nigerian side sorry it took us to the point of no return like when we we're in primary school and we were able to see like where the sea is and you know where people left and mm. um I think also I went to the, to the other side of the sea and I went to the other mm-hmm. side. I went to two sides of the sea, one in primary school and one in secondary school. And the second one was the one that had, um, that had the shackles and everything. And yes, the yeah. second one was where they took them round over and over to try and get their memory to lose their way home. Like they walked round the forest, kept walking wow. around circles the same point to confuse them for months and then they now you know so even if they run away they don't know where they run into so it was just like wow. crazy and for and me they, I've, probably, I've been to the castle numerous times and the dungeon they're talking about is the female dungeon or the male dungeon mm. and it's just like that describing it's so cramped up and it's so small and when when you go inside on the network they close the doors for you to see how like this little and it's so stuffy and it's so dark and there's just like this one this tiny slit like this tiny hole that allows to put their foot no like that's for just the sun and air this oh my god hole. so when they're feeding them they open the doors and come in give them food but for the whole day is all closed and there's this little space that's where the light comes from so reading the book, it took me back to like my visits to the castle and how the dungeons were and stuff. And it was, I guess, something I, I wasn't which on my way because imagine when we, when we go on tour, you go on tour like maybe in groups of maybe 10, 15, or 20. 
and when it's closed and it's just a change of you there, you can even feel cramped up. You feel, mm-hmm. you feel stuffed up. So imagine if like what, 300, 350, 400 people packed up on top of themselves and stuff. Yeah. It's just crazy how human beings can treat each other like that. And as they were saying, the church is just right there. Like you can, from the dungeon, you can just look up and see the, where the church is. Wow. And you can, from the church, obviously, you can also see where the dungeon is. So you'll be praising God and you look outside and you know, you see the dungeon, you know what happens there. But nothing occurs to you that what I'm, I'm doing might, might be wrong or might be bad. It's, it just goes to show how you can just, you can just zone or you can just block yourself from feeling certain things. That's just really painful. For maybe too painful to 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 imagine that a person is a human being that's like that. Maybe you imagine them to be less than human or to be animals or stuff. Because I don't know how you can live with yourself knowing that people. That's actually what I wrote here. I was like, how do people normalize that feeling of of, yeah. of looking at the slaves in terrible conditions? Like, did they imagine that they were not human? That's what I wrote in my book. I'm like, so the only way you can live with yourself is imagining that these yeah. people are not humans and yeah. maybe carrying like gorillas or monkeys to another exactly. place. Even then, exactly. monkeys or gorillas should never be treated in that kind of in condition. You know, they should, you, their prized possessions, they are carrying to your own land because they're carrying doesn't mean that, you know, reduces the value. And there's a point that they were saying they place the value. I mean, who gave you the right to put value on human life? On somebody, somebody's life. That, that doesn't make any sense. And when we were like describing like them on top of each other, I just remembered when she said that the person on top of her peed and the pee now also yeah. ends up on top of her. And yeah. I was just like, oh, God. And there's somebody who was the daughter of a very prominent person. Like she had whole life was she had a whole life ahead of her. Yeah, like, like, it was I was I I just kept thinking about how one decision could change one event could change the rest of her life and her generation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So get like that moment changed her entire generation. Changed everything. Changed every single thing. No, changed everything for her. You get changed her personality because she was this happy. You know, and when they described yeah. her daughter, when they were talking about her daughter, you would not yeah. be able to connect the two people together because yeah. you know, they had gone through so much. Everyone. You know, yes. She, she really smiled. And even when they were taking her daughter away, she could she didn't even. She I was yeah. Him. I was so upset. You know, I was angry at a lot of times. Like a lot of times I was really, I was I was angry. You know. Simple. And it was it was very Sorry. informative. It was yeah. It was it was well of, researched. Yeah. She, she really took her time. I don't know if she heard the real people's stories, but it felt like she did. This was a well-written book. A very well-written book. And very historically accurate. I'm telling you. Even from both sides, like, she got the African side and she got the American side. I'm like, wow. This was what they mean by a story being told from you know different stories. This is not even a single story. This was yeah, all different stories. Exactly. Yeah. It helped people understand. I'm like anybody who doesn't understand the plight of African Americans should read this book, and you will understand you know right. the two different exactly. types of African Americans. 
when you right. see the regular African-American, then you see maybe the Nigerian-American, then you see the Ghanaian-American, and you, you know that they are not all the same, but you know, they're all connected by this piece of history. Mm-hmm. And it just really also showed the African, you know, our own parts that we played in that slavery. That yeah, is not exactly. all talked about as well. Exactly. <laughs> we played a part in it. A huge Very complicit. Very complicit. Picked our people, and you know, this person is running the area. Let's gather and sell to these people because it's safe. They are made, they are giving us money. That's all we need. You get, I wasn't, you know, when I was reading, I wasn't even sure who I was angry You know, like I wasn't sure to what degree, mm. how to measure how angry I felt at what the white people are buying and the black people that we send. As in, you know, um, because, yeah, there was I was angry. I'm not angry at a lot, a lot of a lot of the stories. I was just had to push it down because uh, it's just it was just not just just trying to how, put myself. How do you justify? How do you justify it? I couldn't understand it. How do black people justify selling? Well, you know, as the story angry. said, uh, for the first time, I I was able to empathize. I feel like I've empathized a lot with people's story, and I was able to understand. And I don't even know what to say. I felt sad a lot of times, but I wouldn't say I was angry. I would say I, I, was, definitely I was understand. Sad. I was sad. I was, I was angry. I definitely empathized a lot, and now I understand a lot of things. Now I understand why they are angry that somebody just entered somebody's home and shot somebody dead. Now I understand why you know people are running out fighting for you know people that have been strangled and knelt on their neck just because the person is holding you know something that shouldn't have been a serious um case you know now i understand why they are upset now i understand why people are angry yeah. and it's terrible when you, when you put current issues in the light of stuff historical things and things that mm-hmm. it gives you a clearer picture of why yeah. things are the way they are and it's very understandable from their perspective because it's, mm-hmm. as if it's never ended like they're going through all this and yet still it's not getting better. Like, all this better to an extent. It's not getting better because I'm thinking about it. And right now, living right now, it's actually, like, it's, it is the best time to have, if you compare it to previously, yeah. it is the best time to be, like, a black man in America. And even right now, that's the best time. It's not even that good. So just imagine mm-hmm. the times that happened before where you could just be just plugged out of nowhere. And just, and this is the, the, what happened to H's mother? That is Kuju's Kuju's wife. They want a pregnant woman. Yeah. So just going to buy something at the grocery shop. Somebody, some white man. And that's what she says, leave. This much. This imagine. And just like that, seven children have lost their mother. This man has lost his wife. He couldn't he couldn't recover from it. And let's change the trajectory of each's life because she'll have lived a different life. It's, he was with his dad and his mom and his siblings. And now he just changed his whole life upside down. And he has to now struggle. And he became in prison. Just look at that. It's just sad. And it just shows how little, little actions can just have this ripple effect. That goes back down generations. 
And what really pained me also was when they were refer- referring to generational wealth of James K's father and talked about how his father, his family made money from like slave ships and stuff. And I was just thinking how this money is passed from generation to generation and to the point that even just three generations, James didn't have to walk, but he left that all. But imagine now people living in that same thing that you pass on generation to generation, being compared to these people who have had to struggle through all that, just to even get to that point where Marcos is, and Marcos is being compared to that person of that has generational wealth of maybe even from slave from slavery, the time when black people were pushed down and couldn't even have the opportunity to have that generational wealth, and they are now on the same race line. And they are saying, you know, people asking that, if I can't black food, 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 if I can't yeah, yeah, like you said, reunion, family reunion. Yeah, family reunion, exactly. Although they don't know it themselves, it just brings the whole, it takes the story, the story full circle and that ties everything back together. Yeah, full circle. Yeah. So it's a nice ending to it. Really lovely ending. Really lovely ending. I love all the characters, like all the mm. major characters in the story. Even Wayward Abna. <laughs> I loved how, you know, how she knew what she wanted. Was she yeah. really Wayward? I'm not too sure that Wayward for me was She does have the guy she likes. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's why I said, no, like, if you are reading about it in the context of where she was at that time, she was a Wayward okay. child. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I as I said, as I said, it. I like the fact that she knew what she wanted. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. she stuck her guns for whatever she believed in. Like, even though she was in the missionary house, very hypocritical of her, despite the fact that she not, like, you know, that was all she had. That was, that was the only that could take her, right? But she was there, and she was not intimidated. She wasn't, you know... She wasn't going to cower down her head just because she needed a place to live. She was going to stick mm-hmm. her guns for what she believed in. Mm-hmm. You know, that she believed in her yeah. culture and her tradition. And she was in her own self. She was her own nation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I really loved that about her. It was like there was this um, courage in the blood, not just beauty, that has been passed through Yeah, all, through. all of them. And it still stays with them. Yeah. And on this part, uh, when there was this comment made about black magic and why why black magic is called black magic, when all magic is magic. And it just it just spoke to me because we put labels on stuff to make them seem worse and like we put a label of black on stuff to make, make it seem worse and actually is because you think about it. All magic is magic, but when you say black magic, then your mind goes. Makes you seem as if a white person's magic is not. It's more palatable, more mm. agreeable. 
Yeah, exactly. And it makes it seem like a black person's magic. Is yeah. Somebody can be a good witch. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just how placing labels on things like very little, little differences. You place a label on something and it just changes the whole meaning of the thing. But it makes you see the thing in a whole different light. Because if you see white magic, nobody really says anything. But if you see black magic, then it's like, wow, this magic is real. So they say how how black is associated with very evil and very bad and very like negative stuff. And white is associated with things that are not as bad. When in essence both things are equally bad. But when you say it's black, then it, it gives this whole different meaning that it's so gravely black, like it's so gravely evil when they are both equally evil in my perspective. So that shows how these little little things all contribute to as valuing or devaluing black things and comprising to white. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, when they were talking about the missionary and the missionary kept saying um I agree with what you said before. Let me just say that. Okay. So when you talk about the missionary and the missionary was talking about her being hidden and um she should change. I would say that part struck me. Um it made me have questions yesterday. I was just asking God, I'm like, God, why did you have to why did Christianity have to come in from these people? Why did Christianity have to come in at the same time that this negative thing was also happening? Why did Christianity have to come in sometimes even tainted to make you feel like everything we had was bad and everything, even our names were hidden. And it took me back to Chimamanda's book and took me back to um, questions for Ada. And I was just thinking of how, you know, they were saying our names were hidden and some things that we had, you know, was hidden. And I was like, if everything is hidden, then which part of our culture do we keep? And I was just thinking, I was like, you know what, God, one thing I know for sure is true. However you came in, I, I believe in you because I've seen you at work in my life. I know you exist. So I know that was not like some construct sense to me to make everything bad. But which part do I keep? And I was like, you know what, I'll just select the part of culture that I can keep, you know, my language. I can keep stories. I can keep, you know, um, my clothing, my food. I can keep all that part of my culture. But I know at this point, you are now part of my own culture because I, I believe in you. I strongly believe in you. And I know that you said we should not worship any other God but you. But that doesn't mean that somebody does, for the name being hidden, I don't agree with that. I still feel like there were some extra things added to Christianity when it was brought in that yeah. I feel like was yeah. not from yeah. God, but was know, just really know, I thought the same way. Do you know what I, was, I kept thinking about, right? You know, I, Christianity teaches humility. Yeah. Like, it teaches you that you should understand that God is king, that everything you have, everything you become, being righteous, being faithful, all of that cannot happen by yourself, cannot happen by your power. That yeah. all you have received is from God. So you yeah. have no right to be proud, mm-hmm. right? Because everything you have is God. So there's no, like, teaches humility. 
yeah in the place of god in the place of prayer and you could see that all these people came with this sort of um arrogance yes arrogance that's the exact word i was like okay we are better than these barbarians barbarians they're all hidden yes everything about them needs to be cleansed Mm, they're evil and i just i just kept thinking about it christians are the most arrogant set of people exactly also the same thing actually you know and i was just thinking about it that is it that we just keep forgetting that because we have God, because of our assurance of who God is and his power and his greatness? Is it like, yeah. yes, do we now ascribe that kind of power, that this thing to ourselves? Mm. Why do you get? And I just kept thinking about that. Honestly, because... Thinking they are better was, than some people just because you have God. Yeah. Right? They are fortunate and those people should you know, let them know with love but don't call me feeling like you're better or that what they are about them is wrong like, you see the part oh, the part where the part where uh, h was a small boy and he was going to he liked this small girl in the church and he was going to, to give her dad a frog as a gift so he could speak to so he could speak to his daughter. Yeah, a frog. Yeah, and the pastor was like, this is black magic, what, what, what. Don't bring this African voodoo over here and stuff. And the, the act in itself is not anything bad. Like, giving the father of somebody like a gift to make you talk to it, it's not a bad act in itself, but just for the mere fact that it's something that is alien to them, that didn't come from yeah. where they are. Then they already ascribed it. They to don't understand. They don't understand it. Exactly. So they just label everything that is not of them as devilish or as black magic and stuff. And it was it was just just not cool. It's just mm-hmm. the best approach. And this is even this is even some of the stuff that we know. So imagine as I was saying, history is told the lens of uh, two different lenses: the lens of the victors and the lens of those who, who lost. So in essence, if the winners of anything who have the right to tell the story. Yeah. The winners and the victors usually have the right to tell the story they want the story. Exactly. Story. Exactly. So and obviously Christianity won in the end. So Christianity story is what we know or how Christianity spread is what we know. But we are, we don't we don't really look in the lens of the people who were here, whose traditions and whose cultures were just obliterated. Trampled and upon. Trampled upon, like just disrespected for no reason whatsoever. Anybody they wanted. Oh, Ever looks in that angle. When you were just saying that, I just remembered when some people came in and they wanted to take that stool that nobody sat on. They said they must give yeah, them that stool. To sit on. Yeah. yeah. Like culture was just disregarded. Like it was just hidden to them. That was the word they used. So why do you I'm want to sit on the chair? Like, I'm just. I was just thinking about that. If you think the chair is so hidden, so why do you now want to sit on the chair? To prove that to prove they can that, sit on the chair. Like, like, to prove that yeah, they are superior, like their God is superior and everything. This trample in, in, in a way, it's an, it makes you understand why some people or some cultures still find it hard marrying mm-hmm. themselves with Christianity. If you look at certain atrocities that were committed, 
by early missionaries and stuff so in order to propagate the gospel they really did a lot of negative things also which, which is bad. because they were not at the point they were not spreading god anymore they were spreading their own biases in, in it and yes. that's that's what that hurts me you know giving people english names when they are baptized has nothing to do with god has nothing exactly. to do with god that's just you giving them names you can pronounce. Their names are good enough. There's nothing wrong with their names. God accepts us. You know, the people he took were the Israelites. And after that, you know, he embraced all of us and gave all of us the chance to become sons of God. Sure. sure. That part is actually true. And the part of the, the goodness to find is actually a real thing that actually happened. They actually uh, they they on took. The good news to be the on the good news to is it's very revealed to the Asante kingdom. Okay, they haven't they, they did not start on it. Okay. No, I thought it and they actually they believe and they believe it was brought from the skies, which is like that's their that, that it, it fell down from the sky and that's how that the Asante kingdom was established and that's why they are so strong the power. So that's kind of similar to the uh, Ududua story. There's one stick. In the I forgot the, the the state is in in the Yoruba land, but then there's that stick. They say it fell from the sky, and that's how the um, human beings were created. Oh, I see. And it's a similar story. Yeah. So like they stole the seat of their power, and as happened in the story, the king was also exiled. The king was exiled in Seychelles for his refusal to join the British people and to give up the golden stool and stuff. And they tried to take it away forcefully. And that was, that's all because the war between the Atlantis and the British. That part was actually historically accurate. And then the nerve of coming to this country and just demanding that they give you their seat of power. Like, who are you? Where do you come from? And just come and demanding them. That's crazy. Just because they don't look like you, they were belittled. They were belittled and just taking anyhow. But still, people allowed themselves to be that way. They embraced them yeah. and started working for them because it was to their benefit. They made money from it. So they yeah. sold their brothers and sisters for their benefits. I'm sorry yeah. to all those people that were sold. If I could apologize on people's behalf, I'm really sorry. Same thing. If you could apologize on their behalf, I'm really sorry. On the disrespect that they have to endure. I still have to endure. Thank you. Kofa, were you about to say something before? I think you're about to say. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't about to say anything. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, that was just that struggle. I love, I love how the book made me feel. It just made me think of myself. It made me, you know, think of my life. And I was just like, God, how come I reading all these books? I was just like, you know what? Reading and all these African books have been changing my perspective on life. It has been changing a lot about how I view myself. Mm-hmm. It has made me more confident about my culture. And it just, it just made me learn a lot about my people and how I should feel and myself 
honestly, I would say that. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we're reading these books. And I'm why so we, why we it, but I don't think we knew what it was about. We didn't know. We didn't know what we we're getting into. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that it was somebody's favorite book, and they said, "Okay, let's read this book one day." And they come and say, "Let's read this book today." And <laughs> we didn't know what we we're getting into. <laughs> Mm-hmm. was deeper than we thought. <laughs> As in, a very deep book. A lot, of, a lot of messages. A lot of deep stuff. Yeah. A lot of things I, I said I would say. I, mean, I can't remember them, but so many, so many things I took away from the book. So many things. Oh yeah, we should probably be rounding up. We spent like three hours, almost three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. This book that <laughs> Oh, wow. So just because of how how deep a message you gave and how strong the message was. Yeah, there was a lot to talk about. Yeah, and, and it was you know it was so deep, it was into different stories, and each story had yeah. main points and little points that you would recognize and you would know, and yeah. it just kind of resounded a lot. Uh huh. So That's um. Correct. Hey guys, this was an amazing session. Thank you all for coming. We're about to pray now. Comfort is going to. No way, I think Sydney promised us that he will pray next time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this meeting. We thank you for the discussion we had. We thank you for the lessons we've learned. We thank you for the foresight and for the discernment you have given us to be able to understand everything that we've heard and for being at the head of this discussion. We ask that as we are about to depart and uh, go and live our various lives, that your presence will continue to be with us, that your, your grace will be with us and your favor will guide us through that. So we thank you, blessing. And we ask that you please protect us and bring us back here at the same time next week to discuss and to read more. We thank you, blessing. We much appreciate that. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for coming. Have an amazing week ahead. You too. Okay, you too. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. So once again, this is Comfort. Thank you guys for listening. You guys are so awesome. You guys encourage us so much. I hope you have an awesome week. Also, don't forget to like, share, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cartridge Handed. See you next week.